for our very, very special October episode of the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, we are covering a B-horror classic, which is Troll 2. And if Nilbog spelled backwards is Goblin, give me a hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah. The girls who cried be horror. Hello, everyone. Happy early Halloween. As always, I am Anya. Hi, creepy kids. It's Alex. Welcome to our special October episode. It's going to be jam-packed with goblins and ghouls. She's so right, because we have a few um, goblins actually waiting in the wings um, to come on and help us discuss this honestly mammoth of a film because even though it's only like 90 minutes and it is so beyond silly quite literally every second and every scene of this movie we could literally we could go back to like og format and like literally do a play-by-play it would be like There's a seven so hour episode shit yeah um so as we said prior it is troll 2 i'll say right off the bat if you want to watch it i think one it's probably on fucking youtube for free um, but also it is on a lot of like our favorite free TV apps. It's on like Pluto TV and it's on Tubi. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is honestly a film that I would like even urge you to buy. Purchase and own Troll 2 because it will change you forever. Um, and I know that I feel like we have some listeners that like are, you know, people that perhaps are too afraid to watch some of these movies. So they listen instead, which we love. I will urge you to watch Troll 2 because, it, once again, it will change you. And also, it's so silly and fun. I promise it will not give you nightmares or scare you. Yeah, there's nothing, like, scary about Troll 2. Um, I mean, if you're frightened of Troll 2, good for you. That's fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm frightened by a lot of the choices that were made, but in a fun way. Yes. It's, I feel like it's way more of a comedy than it is a horror movie. And I, know, I mean, that was not the intent, but that's what we got. And we love it. It's, I can't even believe. Well, I guess I'll start with mm-hmm. my experience and how Troll 2 came into my life. Was actually, um, when we started the podcast, um, and obviously there were friends that were so supportive. And of course, friends that were like, so when the fuck can I be on the podcast? Um, and one of those people was... Um, an honorary girl who cried before who's already been on, Roberto Guevara, who was on for Basket Case and the entire song. <laughs> Bullshit. Um, and originally when he had said he wanted to run a podcast, he was like, well, and I, you know, usually when people bring that up, I ask, like, you know, is there a particular movie that I should keep in mind for you if we ever want to do it? And immediately he wanted to do Troll 2. And, like, ever since we, like, moved in together, it was like he wanted to show me Troll 2. And, like, we just ne- it just never ended up happening until last year – at um was it last year or was it this year it was this year that's the year you've only seen it this me. year earlier this year yeah because it was wow. in i believe in end of march um it was another honorary girl who cried be horror's birthday cornelia from our butcher baker nightmare maker episode mm-hmm. um and we went over and we were like what do you want to do blah, blah blah and she was like and she literally has troll 2 on fucking vhs hell yeah that's the way to own it i was I was literally talking to her last night, and she was looking it up online, apparently, recently, and, like, these fucking VHS tapes go for, like, 80 fucking dollars. I believe it. It's a classic. And she just, like, got it on, like, I don't even know, like, a thrift store side of the road where she gets all of her shit. So, it's, like, the way that you have such a fucking steal. Um, I don't even remember if we actually ended up watching it on the VHS, so she was just like, I have this, but let's get a crisper version. (laughs) Anyways, we watched it there for her birthday, and 
I was changed. I was like, yeah, so obviously this will be done on the podcast. But it felt like, I feel like we have a few movies that are, like, so, like, amazing and perfect and, like, so much to talk about that in my head I'm like, we have to, we obviously have to do this on the podcast, but it has to be, like, special. Like, we have to do something special for it, and this was one of them, and I felt, you know, Halloween, great time to do it. Um, But, yeah, I watched it. There's not much to say other than I was changed. I was, like, <laughs> literally five stars um, because of every, five stars because every bad decision that was made here was the best bad decision made in a film, I feel like, ever. Yeah, it's baffling, honestly. The script is something that has never been matched in film history, yeah. in my opinion. Um, just, like, trying to figure out what my favorite line is. I have, like, an entire note on my phone of lines that I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pick because they're all so bad and they're all so yeah. great. Um, I can't believe that you'd only seen it this year. I mean, it does make sense because I remember maybe, like, two years ago, you bringing up wanting to do Troll 2 on the podcast, and you were like, oh, but I have to watch Troll first, obviously. And I was like, baby girl, it has nothing to do with Troll. It's a completely it's like, different movie. <laughs> I, like, knew that it had nothing to do with Troll, like, because that's what everyone tells you. They're like, it literally does not connect in any way, but for some reason they're like, nope, part of the same franchise. Um, it was more so I'm just like, well, I have to figure that, like, I'm sure Troll 2 doesn't even, or not, rather, Troll doesn't even compare, but, like, there was a curiosity where I was like, I imagine whatever the fuck troll is also could probably work at some point in the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, like, like, really interesting things about troll. I've never seen it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think troll 2 was supposed to be called Goblin, which makes a lot more sense. And then, I guess, probably just for marketing purposes, they were like, well, let's call it troll 2 so that it seems like a sequel, but also there's no trolls in the movie. Um, But, yeah, I've seen it. I had seen it twice before this viewing. Um, I saw it for the first time. At the Brattle Theater in Cambridge, which um, is a very famous, um, you know, independent theater. Um, and I went with Greg on, like, a date pretty early in our relationship because he was telling me about it. And I had never heard of it. It was probably, like, I don't know, like, 2015, 2016. And I was, yeah, I was not really ready for what I was mm-hmm. about to experience. But seeing it in a packed theater of people who have seen it and love it. Typically, I'm not somebody who likes when people yell things to the screen and, like, quote lines and stuff, but it was just such a very specific experience that, like, having people shouting things at the screen and, like, everyone saying, like, the Hunger Pains line, it was just very fun. Um, It was, like, an unmatched experience theatrically for me, and then within that same week, maybe, like, two days later, I, like, went over to my one of my best friend Christine's house and I was like, have you seen Tr- Troll 2? Because I need you to watch it. So we immediately watched it again. And I was just like watching her for all of her reactions. Um, yeah. But I hadn't seen it in years. So rewatching it alone, um, trying to like really focus on it was a very different experience. Um, it's yeah. definitely more fun with people, especially people who haven't seen it. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's still absolutely absurd just to like sit and watch on a, on a Friday yeah. night by yourself. Like, truly, like, there are, like, it's, like, there are moments where you're, like, yeah, this is, like, bad acting, it's bad lines, but there are also, like, scenes and moments in this where you're, like, quite literally, what the fuck? Like, literally, like, like, there's one scene that, um, we have a special goblin coming on to talk about, um, that involves some corn, Mm -hmm. that I am just, like, now, contextually, like... It's not corn kid, also. (laughs) What'd you You say? You know corn kid? 
Who the fuck's corn? You don't kid? know the viral sensation corn kid? Oh, 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 oh. Imagine oh, we had one. him on. TikTok. <laughs> I think his name is Tariq. <laughs> and everybody welcome, corn kid. <laughs> I would fucking die. I wish we had him on. Oh my god. It is cute. Um I was like, I'm, I literally think you thought you were like talking about some like old ass like YouTuber no. from like the 2000s. I was like, who the fuck is Corn Kid? No, my very favorite current viral sensation, Corn Kid. Corn Kid. Oh, you know what else I love? Um, that little girl Ava that like had the has the audio that's like, you're freaking bats. Oh my god, I'm obsessed with freaking her. Freaking bats. There was a TikTok, not TikTok. It was Vine era because like I used to be obsessed with her vines and her mom posted about her. There was one. It's literally one of my favorite finds of all fucking time. They're in the supermarket. She's, like, sitting in the mm-hmm. little, like, front thing that you push the cart in. She has this cute little, like, blue coat on. Like, her little, like, arms are not even long enough to, like, get through the sleeve. And they're, like, they're not even talking about anything. They're, like, oh, blah, blah. And then she, like, leans forward. She has her, like, big old bug eyes out. And she's, like, my nuts! Mom, get my nuts! <laughs> I, and that's the TikTok. I know literally I every video that girl's her. ever made. I'm obsessed with her. She smells like beef. It's my favorite. She literally does smell like beef. <laughs> what a legend. Um, anyways, yeah. um, I guess before we get to um, our fun, fun fact section, which we will also have a little bit of a different um, take mm-hmm. on this episode, we should give you, I guess, whatever we can give as a synopsis for this movie, although I still urge you to see it for yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean... I could I could literally give you beat by beat of the film, and it still wouldn't yes. do any justice to seeing the film. Um, so I will just give Correct. you like an overarching idea of what the plot is because it's very simple for how crazy it is. Yes. Um, this film follows a family, a mother, father, daughter, and son as they go on a month long trip to a small town called Nilbog, where they are doing a home exchange with another family kind of like a wife swap situation where they will be staying in their house and the other family will be going to theirs um but when they get to nilbog the youngest son helped by the aid of the ghost of his dead grandfather discovers Mm -hmm. that this town is actually run by goblins who pretend to be people and feed you know tourists this concoction that turns them into vegetation so that they can feed on them and they are being led by this witch woman who i think is also a goblin who has her powers from the fucking stonehenge rocks um and it's essentially just about this little boy desperately trying to get his family to recognize and believe that these people are goblins who want to kill them and mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, there's also a side plot with the sister's boyfriend and all of his weird friends, his boys that he can't seem to like his boys. hang out with. Um, Jesus. Yeah, it's it's just about goblins. It's about family. Uh, it's about being a vegetarian. It literally is. It is. That's what. Yeah, so that's troll too. In a nutshell, for you. Okay, so as I kind of I think hinted, this month. For Troll 2, instead of doing our normal, you know, fun facts, one of us goes and finds, like, some fun little tidbits about the making of the movie. We are so blessed, in general, to have, you know, viewed Troll 2. But there is an entire documentary about the making of the film, Troll 2. It's called Best Worst Movie. It is directed by Michael Stevenson, who plays Joshua, but he's all grown up now. This documentary, there's so much to say, and that's why we're dedicating the entire fun fact section to discussing 
the beauty that is this other tangential film. And this is such a big thing to tackle that we have to welcome our first Goblin guest of this October episode. He is a returning honorary girl who cried be horror. It is the one and only Roberto Guevara. I'm back, ghouls. <laughs> and I'm so excited to talk about this movie. I uh, personally do believe that um, it should be required viewing in terms of a double feature. You need to be watching Troll 2 followed by Best Worst Movie. You know, in the same way that, um, what's her name, Margot Price, is that her name? Margot Prey believes that, Margot Price is literally a country singer, Margot Prey believes that, you know, Troll 2 can stand alongside movies such as mm. Casablanca <laughs> And, uh, you know, those, the Cary Grant, I believe is who she was referencing, yeah. the Cary Grant classics. And I agree. You know, while watching the documentary, I was talking to Anya, and in my dream festival lineup, it's kind of like the Basket Case Trilogy, Troll 2, Best Worst Movie, Casablanca, <laughs> and ending with uh, Joey King's The In-Between. I'll take no further questions on that. I'm just worried that if we play Troll 2 at a festival and then Casablanca, people are going to come out and be like, why are you playing the same movie again? You know? <laughs> <laughs> they are very similar. If, yeah, we can't get into that, if, though. We don't if have you've time done to the divulge. reading, if you've spent enough time, they are identical films. Um... They are, but yes. So, as I said previously, this is a movie made by the all-grown-up uh, actor that played Joshua, Michael Stevenson. Um, it heavily follows um, George Hardy, who is the actor that played his dad. It really opens up the documentary on George Hardy. Um, I'm kind of obsessed that Joshua's a little obsessed. Girl, we're all obsessed. I will say, before we go any further, because we are saying, like, this is also, like, low-key required viewing, um, this is also available on all the other platforms that pretty much Troll 2 is on. It's on... Tubi, Crackle, Pluto TV, Voodoo TV, all with free with ads. So all of the best you can apps. Easily double feature, literally. But yeah, I mean, we have to spend a certain amount of time talking about George Hardy because he is a gift. Well, to this it's world, funny because obviously he's an important part of the movie and has you know one of the most famous lines. But I don't think of Troll Two and think of him, right? Like mm -hmm. he is not someone who left a big impression on me in terms of when I first saw the film or the first few times, because obviously one does not watch Troll 2 once. Um, but I, oh, with, when the documentary opens and you spend so much time with him, like, you do just grow to really love this man. And I'm, I, I mean, I've seen the documentary. I don't know if I've seen Troll 2 since I've seen the documentary. I'm sure I have. Um, but again, I think watching the documentary and then watching Troll 2 just to see what that experience is like, like going off of like a George Hardy love bomb to then the movie, I imagine is a magical experience. Yeah, I think, I mean, I watched, I've seen Troll 2 a few times and rewatching it this time, I remembered most of it. He's definitely not the person that like jumps to my mind when I think about the movie itself. But then rewatching the documentary, I forgot everything until I saw him and I was like, wait, I think I love this guy. King. And then by the end of it, I was like, wow, I'm obsessed with his character now. He's now my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> like, it, it makes me want to rewatch it and appreciate 
his acting all the more because it's so beautiful. The thing about the documentary in terms of George Hardy, it is is that it is a, a fascinating like character study on the human experience because most of the movie George Hardy is being adored, right? Like in his hometown, everyone loves him. And as he's going to these Troll 2 screenings, of course, everyone also loves him. And he's so jolly and cheerful and in the best mood. And you imagine that he's like that most of the time, again, because he's surrounded by so much uh, fans, by so much worship Mm -hmm. everywhere he goes until he goes to like, you know, overseas or the horror conventions and like is just ignored and kind of becomes just a hard man to watch. Well, I was saying this to Roberto when we rewatched it because we rewatched it together. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, the whole movie sets you up to be like, I love George Hardy. He is such a ray of fucking sunshine. Like, even when they go off and they interview other people, like, it always comes back to George. Like, George is either fucking there with him or whatever. Um, and yes, the two things I said, one, was just like, I know that obviously when this movie was made, they were talking about, like, the resurgence of Troll becoming this cult classic and they're hosting all these, like, Alamo Draft House screenings. And it's like, oh my God, no, people go crazy for this. I just do think... One, the first convention he goes to is, like, a fan convention. It's not specifically horror, which I felt, like, was a mistake in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then secondly, like, yeah, like, there's so many horror conventions. I feel like he just needs to go to the right one. And also, like, I feel like it it was too early for Troll 2 to be at conventions. Like, people weren't ready yet. All that aside... Yeah, I, I don't think any of us as horror fans and just, like, people in general, like, love how he was, like, kind of reacting at the conventions because mm-hmm. he was, like, putting down people that, like, like horror and being, like, it's one thing to be, like, yeah, I don't like horror. It's not for me. And then being, like, this is fucked up. Like, you're, like, weird if you like this. But I was saying to Roberto, and I think you can watch it happening, like, almost in real time in this documentary, is, like, because of the way that it's put together, it's very well made, I think. Um is, like, you see him as this big town, like, everybody loves him, and he goes to these special screenings just for Troll 2, where the whole, everyone coming only gives a fuck about Troll 2. So, obviously, they're gonna go crazy for him. Then he goes to a big, huge convention where, like, fucking Robert Englund is, and all these other huge horror giants and shit like that, and he gets ignored, and I think it's an ego bruise. And I think, mm-hmm. like, what happens with most people when it's, like, they're in their fucking feelings, they had, like, they had their expectations really high, and they got really disappointed, you get defensive. And I think that's exactly what it was. Like, he got really defensive, and in that, doesn't excuse it, but then he gets kind of like, you know, like, well, this is stupid. Like, who even likes this? Like, this stuff isn't important. You know what's important? Being a dentist. Like, well, and we all and... learned a very valuable lesson. Horror fans need to go to the dentist. There's so much gingivitis. Oh, so much. Everyone had gingivitis. Everyone had gingivitis <laughs> at the horror convention. And you know what? I believe him. I probably have gingivitis at this point. I believe point. he's a great dentist. Uh, I do yeah. too. It it did feel a little bit like also maybe he's a little bit you know sheltered because he is from a small town. He's you know probably set in his ways, and he does like remind me of Anya and I's friend Donald, who is like an older man who is like one of the kindest men I've ever known in my life. But like mm-hmm. in the same way where things like that kind of like freak him out and he doesn't like it. I kind of got the same vibe of like he's not into this so he therefore he doesn't understand it and doesn't really want to give it the time of day because it's weird and like you said it definitely was an ego bruise because nobody knew what his movie was nobody cared and he was you know he was getting a little bit of a big head he was getting used to being the star and being admired by everybody and when he wasn't he was like this sucks i want to leave uh and then he was kind of over it but you know he had his 15 minutes of fame i think he shined he had a great time. He got to tell all of his patients, 
who did not seem to care half the time. Oh, I know. That, was that like also thing, was a little rough. It was like when you watch your parent, like, tell a story and you're, like, sitting there just like, Chris, stop fucking talking, Mom. Like, they don't care. Well, it's like when you watch your parent, like, talking to somebody else, like, about you, like, yeah. talking you up, where you're like, I, they don't give a fuck. And you're, like, right there and you're like, I'm so sorry. But they I'm have really no social, sorry. like, recognition that, like, the other person yeah. feels weird, even though it's written all over their face. But... I mean, well, it's also funny for him to just refer to, you know, the horror community at these conventions as like freaks. And it's like, no tea, no Mm -hmm. shade. I'm happy to love myself with this group. But with this documentary, you see the type of people that Troll 2 attracts at these screenings. And it's like, these are not, you know, the most sound people. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not. No judgment, but, like, yeah, a good amount of these people, and I will say that they're, like, most likely, like, straight white dudes as well. Like, I'm not, like, these are the guys that I'm trying to, like, hang out with. Like, I appreciate that they can, at least in one aspect of their life, appreciate a gift that is Troll 2. If I saw a group of these people without that knowledge on the street, (laughs) I would probably be, like... I don't want to. Well, because I also that. think that this group of people that like he's been surrounded around, surrounded by for like all these screenings are the kind of people who like make liking Troll Two like their main personality trait. Where they're like, yes. "This is what I do." Like I have like annual showings where just like we do this all the time, and it becomes like who they are, which is fine. That's cool, but like, like I would never get a Troll yeah. Two tattoo. I would. Yeah. I would host which an annual was- viewing party. Like, that would be fine. That was another moment that killed me. And it was pre the whole, like, him being defensive about, like, the horror shit. Which I did, it was a moment where I was like, see, like, this I can get behind. Like, I feel like, I do think, yeah, the convention thing was, like, a bad moment for him. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, yes, maybe in general he doesn't like horror. But, like, there was a moment when they're in the tattoo shop and he, like, went with the guy to get a Troll 2 tattoo or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I, like, hate tattoos. And then the tattoo artist is like, well, I hate dentists. And George Hardy is laughing so fucking hard and, like, in such a good-natured way that you're like, see, like, there's not actually, like, bad blood there. Like, there's not actual, like, hatred and, like, right. I, you're weird or different mm-hmm. than me and I don't like you. Like, it's all in good fun. Um, and I really appreciated that. It's just like, yeah, you always got to get to that point in the documentary where it's like, we got to get real now. And George is in a low point. Well, look, going from the most um, the most documented member of the cast to the least, I have to talk about how outraged I am that Deborah Reed is nowhere to be seen in this fucking documentary except for, like, in one passing moment. Where was she? Also, I hope that her name, it's either Deborah or Deborah. I would like to choose it's, to believe it's Deborah, personally. One of my favorite English teachers was named Deborah. She was an icon. She was a legend. Like, why isn't the most iconic personally, in my opinion, the most iconic character featured in the documentary. I guess she might have not wanted to be. What has she been doing? What is Credence? What is the the, the woman behind Credence, Leonore? Oh, well, I I'm thought you were going to talk about... Huh, she's, she was an actress in two other things. Yeah, she was in Dumb and Dumber. Um, Good for her. She, no, she oh was a makeup person in Dumb and Dumber. The oh. only... She was in a short film, and then guess what, Anya? She was in one episode of the TV miniseries of The Stand. What fucking character was she playing? Uh, she played <laughs> wife kissing soldier goodbye. Mm. You don't remember her? Come on. Do you, girl? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Wife kissing, I'm trying to think, like, that must have been near the beginning then. Probably, yeah, it was the first episode. 
Yeah. If she didn't want to be a, a part of the documentary, that's fine. It was. It just was such a noticeable absence where you're like. Well, there's there's there. They cut the scenes where like there's like full panels of them at these like whatever like, and she is there. Right. We're yeah. like, wait a minute. Yeah. So, so she's, she's uncredited in that documentary. So she is in it technically. I thought you were gonna talk about Margot Prey, who plays the mom in the movie, who like. Because, like, they contact most of the main family, because obviously, like, Joshua was making the documentary, George Hardy is the big, um, fucking, you know, star of it. Um, they get the actress that plays Holly. She's in it for a little bit. Like, she talks about how, like, she was kind of, like, mortified when she first saw the movie because, like, she really wanted to be an actress. And then, like, when she would go to auditions and Troll 2, they would, they would recognize her from Troll 2. She would walk out knowing she wasn't going to get the part, which is sad. Um... But there's a big chunk of time where it's like, well, where's mom? And then they find her, and she is like... It's haunting. She's living like a shut-in. It's like the end like of a catfish s- episode. <laughs> no, literally. It, no, it literally is. Where are Neve and Max, bro? They literally were doing Neve and Max. Um, and she has, like, signs on her lawn where she's like, do not ring the bell. Like, only if you're USPS can you come up. No literature. Well, like, all this shit where you're like... So then fucking George Hardy in the back of the car... When Josh was like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, let's just go. And he's like, well, she could, um, like, shoot us through the door with a shotgun. He's like, George, don't say that. He's like, you asked what the worst thing that could happen is. Like, that's the worst thing. It does seem like she might, I mean, she literally, when asked what she wants, and she said to run away and disappear forever, that was very mm-hmm. hard to watch. And, you know, it seems like we don't know what she's doing in terms of work, but she's caring for her mother who seems to, you know, be sick. And and um, Margot has a, a fascinating um, perception of the world and acting. Again, mm-hmm. comparing, comparing Troll 2 to Casablanca. And again, she might be seeing things that, you know, most of the population can't. You know, she might be doing a lot more work. But some, some of the things that she says come off as like, interesting interesting i will say she looks incredible she's looking she looks like radiant and beautiful even though like there's well, a little vacancy exactly in her eyes she did in the movie, and pretty much like and arguably yeah, her hair is just different a better actor she was doing like the scene because throughout the documentary they recreate the scenes and like there was just like more vibrancy in her eyes but she might have just been more excited to you know be doing something there's no funnier moment in the documentary than when they are oh, I know creating the car scene and they start singing row 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 your boat and the camera just pans to her mother in the background just like head in her hands like cannot fucking wait for these people to get out of my house it's so funny um she is somebody like and it what were you gonna say i was just gonna say it's a very sad moment they they try to bring her out for like i think a big important screening Mm -hmm. and ask her if she and that's when she they ask her to come and that's when she says that she just wants to disappear forever um, and then doesn't yeah. go, and it's so sad. I'm like, Margot, you're, but you know that she like would eat up that attention. I don't know for the better or worse in terms of her mental state, but like, I, I just, I wanted her to feel as appreciated as she well, deserves. Well, two things I will say is one, not, I don't know this woman, whatever, but there is, she, she gives in the mind that I'm like, I would feel unsafe in her house. You know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like sure. when they go in like the 100%. start of a horror movie a little bit, where like she, her perception really, of the world... She gives Grey Gardens she, vibes. Yes. Her perception of the world is, like, so not what it is, I guess. Or it is to her. Everyone's worldview is different. But, like, it is to a point where I'm like, 
I just would want to be out of there as soon as I walk through the front door. It's giving misery. It's giving someone's locked up. The other thing I will say <laughs> is, on in terms of, like, people whose perception, at least of just Troll 2 alone, is, like, not quite as it is. We mm. have to talk about the director because he's also heavily featured. Do we have to talk about him? Do we have to give him time of day? Like I do time? just want to say he's he's no. a character in himself. I mean, once again, we're urging you guys to watch Troll Two and this documentary. Like, it'll be the best like Friday night double feature you have in your fucking life. It's so fun. Grab friends. Like, it's tis the season for such a thing. But um, I will say the delusion. Yeah, Claudio. Like, there's one moment that Roberto yeah. and I are watching, and having just come off obviously directing our own short film and whatever, where like he's he's at a screening and someone in the audience is like asking him like. You know, the classic, like, haha question where he's like, so why is there be called Troll 2 when there's no trolls? And he has to ask it, like, twice. And his wife was trying to explain to him, like, translate the question and also explain to him, like, because his wife wrote the movie, um, like, what they're asking. And he's like, what do you mean there's, like, no trolls? Like, yes, there are. And they're like, no, they're goblins. And, like, his response is kind of just like, shut the fuck up. Just like you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Shut the fuck up. So of course, Roberto and I were like, if yeah, we I ever make say, a movie and we're doing a Q and A, and someone asks us about like a plot hole in our movie, it's just gonna be like, no, it's okay. I got this one. I got this one. Um, have you ever thought about shutting the fuck up? Like, don't actually ask me any questions. <laughs> don't make me explain my work. Like, just accept. Well, it. with that, with that, with that specific question, I I feel like you can maybe chalk it up to like getting lost to translation. Like maybe yeah. you know, in Italian, there is no separate word for goblin or troll. Who knows? But the moment that gets me is at a separate screening when an actor is being asked a question and answers honestly, like, no, like, we didn't get a full script. We kind of had no idea what was happening. And he is interrupting the actor from the mm-hmm. audience saying, you don't know anything. <sighs> Actors are dogs. You don't remember anything. And it's so, like... And, of course, like, all the actors are just, like, laughing on stage because, like, it, it's one of those things, I think, when you work with somebody and, like, you all are, like... Yeah, we know this person is, like, unwell. Like, he's, like, not... He's a little loony. That, like, you just kind of have to, like, there he goes again. Like, I just have to laugh because, like, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah. That part pissed me off. And then, like, he goes outside and he's doing, like, a private interview with the camera, like, immediately after. And he's, like, talking about why he's frustrated. And he's, like, you know, I think this is a great movie. And they're all just in there saying, this movie's bad, but I was great in it. I was good. And I'm, like... But nobody's saying that. No. They're all like, we were terrible. Right. This was all, everyone here was bad. Nothing about yeah. this is good. But he, in his mind, he's like, they're all taking the credit and not giving me any of the credit. And it's like, King, listen, that's not yeah, what he Yeah, he like said. doesn't realize that like it if does. he embraced it, that like people would adore him. I'm sure there's some people that do adore him, but like. It does highlight something that the, the, the movie points out heavily and it's that Troll 2 is beloved because it was done earnestly. It just so happens mm-hmm. that everything was done poorly. So, like, the fact that this man does take it so seriously, that he considers it a parable, you know, that it's very serious and reflects the three most important things, uh, life, eating, and death. <laughs> and he, um, you know what? He's right on that is, one. And you know what? He is a character, but I think the most important player the wife, the writer, who literally wrote this movie because she was pissed that all her friends were becoming vegetarian. Yeah. That's next level petty. It's literally like icon. Yeah. I was taking notes. Yeah. I was like, so next time one of my friends pisses me off, I'm going to write an entire movie to then show them and be like, do you see how fucking stupid you look? Do you see how evil you are? <laughs> this is what you put me through? Um, 
But the one thing I will say, because we can't, we could talk about once again, as with Troll 2, you could talk about this documentary, I feel like, for many, many, many hours. Um, one last person I have to bring up is Don Packard, who plays the oh store God. owner. Oh my God, yes. Um, who yes. reveals that during the time of filming, he, I think he checked himself in, or no, he, maybe it was like a friend checked him in, but he was in like a psych ward, like a mental institution, but he had like days where he could like, like, days out essentially and like also during this time had an agent and his agent essentially was like oh i'm one of your days out like you can go like work on this movie which was troll too and he was the shop owner and there's a few things he says but the one thing i have to make note of is he on camera to the camera confesses now mind you this movie is made by michael stevenson who played joshua who was presumably <laughs> with in every scene of this movie, behind the camera, at the very least, interviewing these people. Yeah, I imagine he, he's talking. So to I don't know him. if he like doesn't fully doesn't give a fuck or doesn't realize that this is the guy that played Joshua. I think it's the latter. Um, he admits on camera to wanting to quote unquote kill the child star of the movie, and like when they were like force feeding him on camera, like he really wanted to force feed it to him, um, right to Michael Stevenson's face. It for me, in cinematic history and in, in documentary history holds a candle to um, Robert Durst's confession in The Jinx of him mm-hmm. admitting two murders still mic'd up in the bathroom, they're they're on par for me. Well, it's all the, ver- you know, it's the verisimilitude. You know, he wasn't playing, he himself said he was not acting. So when you see, mm-hmm. you know, this performance, this is raw. This is... I do think his performance is like, one of the most impactful and powerful ones because it is truly just an unhinged man on screen. He's not playing an unhinged character. He is unhinged. And he admits it and he's like, I watched it and I fucking scared myself because that was not a well person. And it's very sad to see it and know that, but it's also in the film, it it works so well and it adds this like very extra creepy level to it that I feel like the movie is just so campy and funny and silly that he is like the true creep factor for me. The only other person thing I want to talk about is we have to talk about Grandpa Seth. Oh, I love him icon, too. Robert Ormsey delivering what may be one of the most tragic things anyone has ever said in a documentary where he just reveals, uh, he's like, yeah, um, I've wasted most of my life. And you watch this like, well, it comes right after he's talking about, like, I always wanted to make a bad movie, and we were making Troll 2. I didn't think it was that going to be that bad. And then I, it turns out I made a bad movie. I got to do the thing I wanted to do. And you're like, yes, King! And then he's like, I have no children. I have no grandchildren. I've wasted my life. I have nothing to show for. And you're like, um, oh? Someone get Margot Prey No, literally. I was like, I can't see him in pain like this. <laughs> they need a support um, group. Him and Margot need a fucking fabulous. support group. Yeah, uh, but fabulous documentary. A good, a good. Yeah, time. it's there's so much we're not even touching upon. But like you know, I'm sure if you were looking for like, I just want specifically like facts from like on set making them. I'm sure you can search those up. I'm positive, or you can go to your own Troll Two screening the next time the Aloe Draft House I guess holds one, and talk to the cast. Um, but just truly trying to get insight deeper into like the people that made a movie like this, which I think is equally as interesting. This mm-hmm. is look no further like this will give you everything you want yeah i think this documentary really gives the context that troll 2 kind of needs uh aside from just being a really fun yeah. movie experience because 
yeah, knowing <laughs> how, because you watch it and you're like, wow, these people are bad. This is really like so bad. And then you watch it and you see them all being like, I was horrified. It was so bad. It just makes me love it even more because I'm like, oh, you get it. You're in on the joke. It's fun. We're just having a good time now. Yeah. I don't think they were in on the joke during it. <laughs> they're not doing it now, but they're in on yeah. the joke now, right. and that's all that matters. Um, yeah. yeah, so that concludes our um, fun facts slash the best worst movie documentary discussion. Um, and now we move on to Troll 2. Okay, so I guess it's time to jump in to what actually the fucking goes on in this movie. And we are, we're not doing our original format. I know I said that earlier as a joke. We're not doing that. But we are going to go a little chronologically um, because there is so much shit that happens. It'll be easier that way. Um, But I feel like a good place to start is obviously like um, the opening of the movie in which we get introduced to this family Mm -hmm. because like that is going to be important for the rest of the film. Um, So I think it'd be fun, Alex, if we talk about obviously our feelings about, you know, these characters we got introduced to them because it literally is like an opening scene with Joshua, who is our leading little boy, Mm -hmm. um, being told a bedtime story by grandpa who then like in an amazing reveal, (laughs) he, his mom comes in the room and she's like, Joshua, like, like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and it's like close on him. And he's like, Oh, like grandpa was like telling me a story. And then like quick pull out, and it's, like, and it's, like, so quick, like, zooming backwards. And it's, like, oh, the rocking chair that Grandpa was in is now empty. And so we as an audience are supposed to be, like, what? And then, like, yeah, it's, like, a whole thing where then, like, Mom is, like, has to spoon feed us that, like, Joshua, like, Grandpa died. And you have to get over it. Yeah, I love when she's, like, we all miss him. You miss him, your father, your sister, and me, his daughter, iconic like thank you so much for establishing the family dynamics here um i think that opening scene is so good because you kind of get a sense immediately of the acting because the grandfather i think of arguably all of the actors is the most like unhinged and he really commits he is just like full throttle like i'm gonna fucking kill these goblins the whole time yeah and like I don't really know how, I don't know, it seems kind of like there's a backstory with him that we don't get into where, like, maybe he has dealt with the goblins before because he just seems to know a lot about them. He knows everything. Yeah, it's like maybe because he's dead and he has this, like, you know, ethereal, like, vast knowledge of the universe because he has passed. He just happens to know everything. But, like, he is, like, full-on prepping this kid before they even go to Nilbog to be, like, you need to be aware of goblins because they are real. Um, but yeah, this family, I mean, the mother is one of my favorites. When you finally meet the father and they're like, they sit together on the couch and they're having their, you know, just like quiet night. in. she says, she, I think it's her eyes that really speak to me the most. They're very emotive. And when she asks him, who are the... They're always wide fucking Who are the goblins? I'm, like, so with her. Like, yeah, who are the fucking goblins, girl? Let's get to the bottom of it. Well, it's so funny because, like, she deadass treats it prior to this when Joshua is, like, bringing it up. But she's like, Joshua, like, you're being silly, blah, blah, blah. Like, classic, (laughs) like, my son's having, like, dreams and fantasies and playing pretend. But then when she goes down with her husband, um, who... 
as we've previously talked about now. Mm -hmm. um, Obsessed with. Legend. Um, She asked it in a way where, like, now she fully believes it. Yeah. Like, she's really, like, like, I'm trying to look for his, his character's name is Michael. I don't know if she says Michael. Let's pretend she does. Um, She's like, Michael, who are the goblins? Like, as if she's, like, she fully believes her son now, and it's like, also, why the fuck would he yeah, know who like, the there's are? any because... context for his character to know what the fuck you're talking about. Well, also because even if it came from the lips of Grandpa, like, Grandpa is her dad. Yeah. So, it, like, it's not, and, like, there's, like, a line later on where, like, Grandpa, like, says, like, yeah, like, your mother won't listen because, like, she wouldn't listen to me about, like, marrying that, like, good for dead, nothing. or whatever the fuck he, they're good for nothing. Yeah. So, like, clearly they didn't have a good relationship when he was alive. So, I'm like, he definitely doesn't have any fucking insight on the goblins. Um, but then also, um, the other two, I feel like, at least from the start, characters we're missing is um, Holly, mm-hmm. the older sister, which I did make note. Her bedroom is, like, low-key a dream. I mean, like, it's my aesthetic, I feel like, a little bit, where it's, like, looking like, you know, the ideal, like, teen girl bedroom with, like, the fucking, whatever the fuck she had in her. She had, like, a Johnny Depp poster or some mm-hmm. shit. I feel like she also had, like, did she have Tom Cruise? I don't even remember. And not that I want those posters on my wall, but, like, just, like, these, that aesthetic and, like, all this, like, girly shit. But she's, like, literally laying there in, like, a unitard doing, like, endless reps of weights. <laughs> but, like, the, it, clearly it's, like, fake weights. But she's, like, doing it like they're, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm just, like, whatever she's about, yeah. Like, she's just, like, yeah, my, like, you know, Saturday night, like, I'm just, like, doing reps in my bedroom. Yeah, she's a very confident character. I mean, she has a very specific style. Uh, the hair is not a hair I would go for personally, but she, yeah. she knows what she wants. She is not afraid to ask and demand what she wants, especially from her boyfriend who is not giving her the fucking time of day that she deserves. And I like love her because she just doesn't like take shit from anybody and she can't be bothered. She's just like living in her own world. I love her. I wish that I yes. had that little unitard to do my reps and of the dancing that she does. I was like, there I am. I, I, girl, I know. Um, I think I literally made note of the dancing that happens later on because there's, like, a whole, like, dance mm-hmm. sequence where she, it's just, like, her in the hall. And, like, she's, like, does a dance sequence and then she's, like, practicing in the mirror how she's, like, going to tell her boyfriend off. Um, yeah. But it's so funny because I literally was, like, this is the original TikTok dance that she's doing. Like, she <laughs> would be such an influencer. She's also wearing this, like, Garfield Aries shirt that I was, like, that the first time I watched the movie, I immediately was online and I was, like, how can I get this shirt? <laughs> like, I need this shirt so that is fucking very bad. For you. Um, but yeah, she is a legend. Um, and I also like that throughout the movie, like, she, I mean, she's truly giving a one of a kind performance mm-hmm. herself. Um, she's also, once again, kind of going back to what we were saying a little bit about the sister in um, The Gate, is she's never, like, mean to Joshua. Like, the only time that I really feel like she's, like, ugh, about him is, like, after the scene that we're going to talk about in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, there's, like, a moment when, like, they're in the car on the way there and, like, Joshua wakes up from, like, a nightmare and he's like, they're eating me! And there, his whole family's like, what the fuck? And she's like, who's eating you, Joshua? Yeah. Like, she's, like, genuinely, like, curious, like, what happened? And there's a scene later on where, like, Grandpa's, mm-hmm. like, ghost appears in the mirror thinking he's in Joshua's room and it scares the shit out of her. So she, like, doesn't want to sleep in that room anymore and Joshua's like... I mean, I'll sleep in here. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not scared. And she's like, really, Josh, you do that for me? Thanks, little brother. Yeah. And, like, it is just, like, nice that I'm, like, 
don't get me wrong, I love a bitchy older sister moment, but at the same time, it's like, it is nice that they're like, that isn't like, oh, well, that's that's her whole character. That's how he wrote her. So that's all she ever does. Yeah. I mean, she talks it's shit like, about him to, like, the parents, which I, you know, yeah. is, we, all, we all do that. But then when she's actually interacting with him, she's, like, very nice and caring as an older sister. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the one other note I will make, just to, like, plot-wise get us there, to the scene we need to talk about, is, like, they get in the car, they drive to Nilbog, mm-hmm. which is the town that they're staying in. Um, which like there's a whole moment in the car where like Josh thinks he sees the ghost of his grandfather. He makes them oh pull over. It ends up being like like a like a hitchhiker who's like, You're gonna give me a ride. Um there's truly, yeah, we could talk about every frame of this movie. But the one thing that I made note of that I definitely made note of the first time and then it went I happened again this time, I was like, this is so silly, is they're driving during the day. They pull into town in what appears of what I thought was daylight, mm-hmm. and then, like, nobody's around, and they're in the car, and then, like, I think they want you to believe now all of a sudden, like, yeah, you didn't see that. It's nighttime. Because then, <laughs> like, they're like, where is everybody? They're like, where is everybody? And, like, the dad is like, oh, like, you know, they're, like, farmers. Like, they've done their day's work. Like, everyone's, like, essentially, like, being, like, they're asleep. Like, the town's asleep. And they're like, okay, so it's, like, late. If, if anything, it's early evening. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll buy that. Maybe I, like thought I saw that it was daylight out and I was wrong. Then they pull the fuck up to the house, broad fucking daylight. <laughs> so unless it took them an entire night after already being in town to get to this house. Well, no, because where would they it's stay? Just like, that doesn't make any sense. Literally. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to ask any questions. Yeah. You guys, I, I trust you guys on this journey to just tell me whatever I need to know and I'll believe whatever you say. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of like a, a like a, daydream of a film you know yes it's just it's not quite based in reality in any way shape or form no um (laughs) i'm just thinking about all the shit that happens um so the next big scene we need to talk about um one of the many iconic ones from the movie um we felt we needed obviously a little goblin assistance for so the next little goblin we're bringing on is new to the Girls Who Cried Be Horror. It's her first appearance. So now she's an honorary Girl Who Cried Be Horror, but she's been talked about many times on the podcast by me, is Abigail Baldwin. Hi. Um, so Abby, we have now arrived at um, the family is at the house. They are now walking into the kitchen or the dining room and... They're starving. Oh, my God. They cannot wait to eat. (laughs) And what do they see on the table but an entire meal of fucking green food? And I'm not talking about, like, oh, well, it's, like, salad and, like, foods that are already green. It's, like, no, here's food with, like, green frosting, like, slathered on top of it. And they do not question it. Like, it looks like there's, like, a pie with, like, a green Mm -hmm. ooze. It's just, like, all St. Patrick's Day themed food. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And no one bats an eyelash about, like, the pitcher of green liquid. Oh, no, they're like, oh, yeah, give me it. Yeah. yeah it's just, like, like for sure, maybe some things you could put aside. Like, oh, they use, like, green frosting on this, like, welcome cake. Mm-hmm. But, like, it'll be, like, yeah, like, an ear of corn with, like, green <laughs> frosting slathered on it. And it's, like, you don't want, you're not a little curious about what that is. You just want to put that right in your mouth. But you know what? They're city folk, and this is their first time, apparently, or we're led to believe you know there's a there's a novelty to this farm community to them so maybe they're just really excited about how these farmers are like 
super stoked on green frosting. Yeah, it was just like a really bold color choice, I think, by the production to be like, we're going to put some green food coloring in. We're going to make it the brightest chlorophyll green that we can possibly make. Like you could have done it a subtle green. You could have made it on veggies. You could have had it make more sense with the food, but that wouldn't be They, were, they were like, we're going to make sure you understand this goblin food. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I did. I never questioned what was goblin food and what wasn't. I would hope not. Um, so our family sits down to eat, but of course, Joshua, who has intel from dead grandpa, um, immediately sees like the visage of, um, grandpa in the window who is urgently being like, you cannot eat this motherfucking food. Like, do not let the family eat it. And And then somehow with his ethereal powers manages to freeze time for 10 seconds for Joshua I think it's 30 seconds to stop them. It's 30 seconds. He does really very little with the 30 seconds he's given. I mean, he literally, he's, he's serving. I'll say it. Can I say, I mean, okay, first of all, grandpa, I'm sorry. I have to be the one to say this, but like, he's not very helpful. Okay. (laughs) I thought you were going to say he was hot or something. (laughs) So did I. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I mean, left field, but like not something I wouldn't say. Um, (laughs) You know, he's just not that helpful. He's been giving Joshua these warnings, but he hasn't been giving him any concrete assistance. This is the first time that this apparition we get to see is like genuinely here because he's able to freeze time. And we get the incredible freeze frame, which is in fact just the actors holding their pose. That's my favorite (laughs) part of the entire movie is that they couldn't just like actually freeze it they were like okay now just hold the corn so that everyone is just like slightly like shaking up and down trying not to blink kills me absolutely the amazing. mom definitely blinked oh at yeah one point. Like, they're not good at it blink. they're doing a terrible job but yeah no you're so right like up until this point we could fully just think that grandpa is you know a figment of joshua's imagination his grief manifesting but like in this moment no he's real we see it because he is impacting and helping. And now that we see that he ha- he can impact reality, it's like, could you do a little more, Gramps? Can you can you just help us? Is there not anything else that you can do? You can't give any like more helpful advice. But I have to I have to disagree. I think that their I think that their job that they do freezing is totally decent. <laughs> Hi, Rafe. <laughs> Couldn't do a better job. I mean there's no special effects as far as you can tell like it really is just these actors staying still and yes we can tell that that's what they're doing but it's i think it's a commendable effort I, a yeah. couple of them really like i felt like the dad really commits like, like the he looks so still i think like she has the hardest one because she it wasn't she having holding like the corn no. like she has like yeah. that up and like not yeah, i think she does the best the mom i think is probably the one who's like wavering the most yeah so can I tell everybody what happens yeah. when we freeze? So I, I've seen this, I've seen this movie several times, um, but I always like wait a long time between watching it. So I don't like remember what's coming, which is nice. Um, this stood out to me on, upon this, upon this viewing as genius, brilliant, never before seen, mm honestly like i had to give some credit to joshua like this is a smart kid grandpa comes to the window he says you have 30 seconds i'm freezing time you have to figure out how to stop your family from eating this food in 30 seconds and if they 
we know that if they eat this food, that they're going to get eaten by the goblins that are not trolls. Mm -hmm. So we're nervous. And this is actually like a pretty strong, like I really, I hate to ride so hard for this movie, but there's a strong comedic beat here because we freeze frame. And then Joshua is like, you know, talking out, out loud to himself as he does. And he's like, I have to do it or whatever. Like he's kind of psyching himself up. And then you see him like get up on the table and just like reach for the fly of his pants. And then it's a smash cut to them, like scraping all the food into the trash. And of course we as brilliant viewers have put together that he just peed all over their, their breakfast dinner. We don't know what time of day it is. Well, cause they said it was, you know, the middle of the night, yeah. but then it's like they arrive in broad daylight. Well, it looks like breakfasty in the sense that like mm-hmm. there's inexplicably there's red apples in addition to like, there's also a red pitcher of juice too, if I recall. There has to be a, a reason behind the red. I'm sure that that, you know, prop department, like, was thinking about the meaning behind the colors, for sure. Like, there's a lot going on here behind the scenes. No, obviously. So he pisses on the food, which is brilliant. It's so effective. You know, he, he delays the inevitable. I mean, my reaction initially was, like, oh, my God, the amount of, like, family dinners where there has been, like, beef or, like, someone, like, I just wanted to get away from this table that I'm, like, and I never thought to just get up and piss on the table. Well, it's like, hard. you know what I'm saying? Like, if I got up on the table and pissed on the table, the night's ruined for everyone. You're not Joshua. I know. You're not strong I'm enough. not smart enough. You're not committed she enough. She got me. I mean, I've seen this movie a few times, and... The part of the dinner scene that I always remember is the freeze frame moment, which always kills me. And so I think I forget every single time that he pisses on the table because I'm like, oh, we're getting to the freeze frame. And then it happens. And every single time it's smart. But I'm also like, I would have just thrown the food out. I don't know if I would have. In 30 seconds? That's a lot of Well, he spent 26 seconds walking around them being like, what should I do? And I was like, just pull the fucking like tablecloth off, throw the food on the ground, throw it away throw it out the window they can't eat it but i mean pissing on it is like if you're gonna go all in go all in i guess we have to give him credit for his choice we, we actually to, to be honest we don't have to give him credit but it's creative his choice was the most foolproof mm-hmm. you know you can you can pick food off the ground you can you know yeah. shake off the dust and you can eat that shit if you're hungry enough you can't eat food that your eight-year-old son has peed on yeah, you could step on it. I feel like there's other ways without urinating on it, just because I feel like that's going to cause some problems when they unfreeze, which it obviously does. But oh, like, you just have to get on the piss train already. I'm, I'm never going to be on the train. piss train, but you know, it worked. So good for him. It's very much like an eight-year-old boy kind of mentality of like, how do I do this? I'm going to piss all over it. It's not something. This is authentic writing. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's real. It has verisimilitude. You know, there's that ring of truth. Um, do I get to talk about the aftermath yeah, too? go for it. Yeah, of course you know that because, um, dad, it cuts immediately to, yeah, dad hauling Joshua upstairs mm-hmm. to apparently punish him and mom's being like, don't hit him. And the sister's like, yeah, and hit they're him. Like, they're it's like very scraping the piss food into the trash. telling that the mom is begging dad not to hit Joshua. It's giving me a real image of the family dynamics and, like, maybe there's a history of abuse here. Because, <laughs> right? No, I, I think the same thing. But the thing about that is, like, you, yes, 
in a be- in like a better movie, you'd be like, yeah, that's what they're a, telling. A better us here. movie, you know. You know what? That was on me, and I will pay for that in the grand scheme of things. Um, this movie is perfect. I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. Anyways, but then the best part for one of the best parts for me is you know he goes upstairs and it's truly an iconic moment from the movie. It's an iconic um, set of lines for our favorite actor George Hardy in which he's, like, walking through the hall, and there's, like, their names on, like, a piece of paper on every door about, like, who's sleeping in each, each room, and he's like, you see this? You know what this means? Hospitality. And then he, like, puts Joshua in the room, and the best part for me is him taking off his belt, so you're like, oh, he's gonna, like, whip his ass with that belt, and Joshua's like, what are you gonna do? Or what are you doing? And he's like, I'm tightening my belt one loop to, like, stop hunger pains, or whatever the fuck he says, and it's so goddamn funny to me. This is the best line of that. I mean, I, is, the line yeah. beforehand is what pe- is everyone's favorite line about. You can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. Oh right. That's like the line from the film. But personally, the tightening my belt one loop so I don't feel hunger pains is peak comedy. I don't think a line in the movie has made me laugh that hard ever. I know that they, you know, that this movie was not intentionally funny. Yeah. That being said. The the fake out of you think he's about to hit him. I, I can only imagine the filmmakers thought that this was going to be a scary moment where mm-hmm. we're all like, oh my God, he's going to beat this kid. I'm like, this kid just pissed on his food. But he goes to adjust his belt. And then you're like, oh my God, he's going to hit him. And then he's like, I'm tightening it one loop to stop the hunger pains. It's funny as hell. It's a perfect fake out. It's comedically genius like if that wasn't if that was intentionally funny I would have to be applauding I would have to be you know giving them snaps giving them props unfortunately we have the knowledge that this was an accident as with as with most of this film yeah but it was a happy accident and I'm relieved that I didn't have to see this child get beaten yeah I also didn't even have to see him pee like they they kind of they do the little smash cuts but they they do it effectively and I agree, I'm fully invested in the the cultural celebration of mm-hmm. the line, you can't piss on hospitality, I won't allow it. I love the, the logic that, like, tightening your belt would help you not be hungry. I feel like that would just make my tummy hurt more because now my pants are tighter. But you gotta do what you gotta do. You know, I've never tried. Yeah, I guess next the time. The fact that I wasn't influenced by this movie to, like, tighten my belt when I'm hungry. Yeah, next time Anya pisses all over my food, I'll have to... This is natural to giving us an eating disorder. The fuck? <laughs> well, I almost never wear a belt, so... <laughs> almost I never. I own a belt. Yeah. Um, the thing I was going to say, though, was because of this moment where it's like, it seems like this would, if he was, like, an abusive dad, like, uh, yeah, he's going for it right now. Or, like, he does it. He's like, I'm obviously tightening my belt so I'm not fucking hungry tonight. And then, like, there's just, like, other moments, like, when Joshua, like, pulls that shit prior, like, getting out of the car, like, running over to that mm-hmm. hitchhiker, like, he could be, like, really, like, rageful of, like, get the fuck back in the car! Like, what the fuck did you do? And he's, like, not. They're just, like, Josh, like, what are you doing? Get in the car. And, like, later on, like, he just seems like your classic kind of dad, where he's, like, oh, I've had enough of the nonsense. Mm-hmm. They're not, there's not goblins. There's not trolls. Like, or whatever the fuck. And that's good, because it allows us to, you know, root for his survival, in this horror classic as opposed to having him be Mm -hmm. the character that you like want to see die correct 
So we just finished talking about um, the freeze frame dinner scene. So we have to get on to another big, actually food related scene. Um, but we need another goblin friend to help us do that. So we've brought along an honorary girl who tried to be horror, who was on very recently, Trevor Howell. Hey, what's up? I'm a goblin. <laughs> um, <laughs> great. Love that. Yes. Um, so Trevor, um, we obviously, before we get to the scene, contextually to get us there, um, at this point after, you know, the family has not eaten because Joshua has pissed on all the goddamn food. Um, other things have happened, but we'll get to those at another time. Um, they have to go into town because they need food. So dad and Joshua go into town. Everyone in town is missing. They're like away for like lunch or some shit. Or they said they're like at the sermon like church. They, they said, said they're like at the, like sermon. Sermon. The, the sermon. The sermon, yes. <laughs> the one and only. Um, so dad, of course, is like, well, I'll wait. And is like reading a book and in dad fashion, like falls asleep reading the book. So Joshua like skates off on his little penny board um, and finds where they're having this sermon and then spies on them from like above in like the rafters essentially. Um, and of course gets caught, which um, for me was a really funny, fun moment of the movie because it is just like the hand of like the preacher guy, like reaching up through the opening in I guess this barn church thing. Cause they're like in the basement, like talking about how like, um, when humans eat meat, it's disgusting. Yeah. They're really it's pushing their foul. vegetarian. It, it is like here. a five minute yeah. scene where instead of being sprinkled throughout, they're just like, Oh, Hey, this is what, this is their, their one scene of, Oh, I understand the motivation. Yeah, they're really giving background yeah. to the goblins to understand why they hate our stinky excrement <laughs> so much uh, as, as human God. beings. Um, and then, yeah, that hand that shoots up like a face hugger grabbing Joshua's poor little fucking freckled face. I don't know if, if where I don't know what platform you both watched this on, but I watched it on like Freebie or whatever was on Amazon. And during that face hugger, once the hand shot up and grabbed Joshua's face, Joshua has a very comical scream. And it just cut to a commercial. <laughs> it cut to an ad. And it was like That's on a beach. Best. It was like, come join Modelo. <laughs> come drink Modelo. <laughs> come to come Sandals, to Sandals Resort. Resort. Well, I mean, yeah, the scream is so good because it's like the face hugger moment. And like, he's like shaking Josh. It's like face hugger and he like pulls him down by the face. It's just like face hugger and then like, like shaking Joshua's face as he's like screaming and it goes on for like a second or two too long and then yes I was also I think Alex as well was watching it on like Tubi or whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. where there's ad breaks where yeah like that ad break comes in where Josh is like ah! ad break. <laughs> and then he comes back and he's like ah! still screaming yeah th- like the two seconds of him screaming and then yes after ad break he's been discovered like the, the goblins in their human form they like know now that he knows mm-hmm. so they're not even trying to hide it and they are like we're gonna make you they're like have him downstairs now like they're holding him they're like we're gonna make you eat this ice cream little boy like so that he will become sick and they can eat him and the ice cream is fucking gnarly it's literally four scoops of expired milk two scoops Mm -hmm. of yogurt and like four raisins sprinkled on top for texture it's honestly more than they really had to give him they kind of went all out to be like enjoy this delicious you're, i think they're like you're gonna stuff it all in there bud and um wouldn't it have made more sense yeah, to I, like lure the humans with meat if that's the commentary they were trying to go yeah with? 
yeah, humans love meat, so give them some meat. I guess they just don't have meat available because but they're like, vegetarians. And as we but, learn later, it's not just that they're vegetarians, but their weakness is when other people are eating meat somehow. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yes. But also, like, it seems strange to, like, your whole position is, like, anti-meat, but you're growing your food out of a body, which is just, like, a very strange concept. Well, I guess they were saying earlier that, like, the food, like, transforms your, like, in- innards. Yeah, but it's still technically, like, human yeah. meat at some point, just because you're... Well, this was pre, I think, the Impossible Burger and uh, all that stuff. So I feel like if we if we had a remake now, like, that could be a factor of, like, they are luring him with meat, but it's, like, it's not meat meat. It's vegetable Well, meat. I have a question for you guys, because something that contextually I was, like, I'm not quite sure I'm understanding what I'm visually seeing here because the scene where they're trying to get Joshua to eat the disgusting ice cream, they keep cutting and showing this like one old woman with a spoon and then cutting back to Joshua and then cutting back and then it's a goblin with the spoon. And they do that like four Um, times. And I'm like, are there two people feeding him or is he just like also seeing her goblin form? Is she like transforming in and out? It didn't make any sense to me. I read it as she was transforming in, or he was, he was seeing her true But form. it's so, right. I, I understand so many of the things he's trying to do. Like, oh, this is what mm-hmm. this scene is. This is supposed to be the creep, like in this car, when he, he sees all his parents want to eat him, he's like, this is the creepy scene. And then it, it, he comes out and everything's fine, and then there's a little bit of comic relief. It's like, oh, it's like that scene. You know, it's the creepy dream sequence scene. I can see what he's trying to do, mm-hmm. but it's executed so stupidly. So I see what he's trying to do here. Like yeah. he, he's trying to see the two. Yeah. He can see their true form, but the way it's mm-hmm. cut, it, it's so stupid. And it's such an easy cut to do. It's such an yeah. easy like technique, but he, he just mm-hmm. can't do it. <laughs> he should not be a filmmaker. <laughs> he just simply cannot. It's just not. Yeah, it's a it's a weird choice, but I do love that goblin. We'll talk about him <laughs> at some point. That one specific um, goblin. And quickly on the topic, as Alex, you're saying, of, like, the, like, rotten milk ice cream mm-hmm. moment that's happening. Um, we haven't really touched on them a lot because, like, they're tertiary characters to a certain degree. Um, and we just don't have the time. But, like, I will make note that, like, um, Holly's boyfriend and specifically Holly's boyfriend's boys uh, this entire time while all the suit with the family's happening, like, they're going the fuck through it because one of the boys has already been turned into a goddamn, like, tree, pretty much, in, like, the witch's cottage, um, which is a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the other boys, like, that they sent into town to, like, get food for them um, was, like, picked up by, like, the goblin sheriff and, like, of course, fed green food that he doesn't question for any reason, even though it's, like, literally, like, a hamburger bun with green in the middle of it in a fucking <laughs> plastic bag. Um, delicious. Which is, like... That's how I start every morning. Um, Lord. Um, and then, like, it's, like, you know, like, trying to get food somewhere else in town or whatever, and they're, like, you don't have any of that, but, like, here's some milk (laughs) and, like, whatever. And then they cut to him in, like, the forest, like, trying to, I don't know, presumably run back to his boys. But he's, like, clearly sick and, like, doesn't feel good. And what does he fucking do in this moment? I literally was, like, are you okay? Takes a fucking swig of milk. Which is just, like, if you are doing, in general, just physical activity, why the fuck are you drinking milk while you're doing it? Yeah, and he's it? been and outside. Also, you don't feel good. How, how, like, warm is that milk? Oh, yeah, Ooh. and it's definitely fucking hot. Like, I think drinking it foul. is making him sweat more. Just, like, not even um, because yeah, it's the it goblin is. food, but just, like, drinking that. I would feel sweaty <laughs> drinking something that looks like Ugh. that. 
so nasty. Yeah, because, like, your body is trying to process fucking, like, milk <laughs> while you're, like, doing this. No. Mm-mm, that's wrong. Um, but, yeah, I'll have to say that they're there, but they're, like, dropping, like, fucking flies. And we will come back to the boys for a very important scene um, down the line. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about, Trevor. Um, but at this point, so, like, whatever. Like, Dad then finds Joshua, like, being force-fed. And the town people are like, your son's, like, crazy. We were just trying to give him ice cream. Like, LOL. Um, which then Dad's like, okay, whatever's happening here is weird. We're going to go. Um, they leave. They pick up sister who's, like, um, confronting her boyfriend. Yeah, she's just punched um, him out. <laughs> yes. Because it's her or it's his, or bo- boys. his boys. Yeah, and because he was Pick half one. asleep and couldn't give her an answer fast enough, she just, like, I love knocked how... him out. <laughs> I love it. Well, he's, like, such a Oh, he is. Shit. And, and I love how shit. it's never, yeah. like, the boys. It's always your boys. <laughs> my, my, my boys. Well, yeah, he's like, my boys. Yeah. I feel like today people are like, I'm hanging out with the boys, but... In this, it's like, it's your yeah. boys. Like, like they're his puppies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, in a way, they are. Well, it's funny because, like, earlier in the film, when, like, essentially he was supposed to come with them, but then was, like, late because he was, like, trying to bring his fucking boys along mm-hmm. after he said he wouldn't. So they, like, followed along, essentially, and they're, like, can't, or some shit, and they, like, they parked her on the side of the road, and they see the family go by, which, and it's awesome because, like, she, like, flips them off. But they can't see. As she goes by. And he's, like, and he definitely cannot see her through, like, the tinted yeah. window. So, they're, like, what? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, what's going on? And he has, like, this line where he's, like, they're, like, are you sure? Like, we probably shouldn't have come out here. Like, at least his boys, like, somewhat get it. And he's, like, no, no, no. Like, essentially, says something to the effect of, like, I'm, I'm the one in charge. Oh, yeah. And then the guys, even the boys are, like, um, I, it doesn't read that way. Yeah, no. Which, it's so funny because I feel, like. I don't know, I just, like, initially upon seeing him, I'm like, oh, he's, like, the goofy, like, almost, like, nerd, like, he got a chance with, like, the cool hot girl, like, boyfriend, but, like, the way they're trying to pitch his character is, like, no, like, he's, like, a play, like, I think the dad even calls him, like, you know, the blah, 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 like, the Johnson's, like, playboy son or whatever the fuck. Yes. Yes. Where I'm just, like, is he a playboy? Like, I don't imagine he's getting a lot of ass. (laughs) Like, I'm just gonna be honest. (laughs) Maybe from his boys. No, there literally only from his boys. Sure. Yeah, and they're, like, yeah. naked in it, from what you can see. Let's be fucking real honest with each other as friends here. Those boys were clapping cheeks in that They room. were doing the horizontal <laughs> tango all the way down to Nilbog. Yeah. Good for them, <laughs> honestly. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> um, anyways, so they pick her up. They go back home. When they get home, who is there but the fucking townsfolk? Which I love, like, in the... the like, once again, how far away is this fucking house from the town... That, like, as I said earlier, when they arrive in town and it's, like, nighttime, and then they get to the house and suddenly it's the middle of the day. Like, yeah. I don't understand how time the works. The entire town also happened to beat them home and have time to bake, like, 12 cakes like, and decorate them. The only pit stop they made was, like, for Holly, and it was not that fucking right. long. Um, That's a good point. But, yeah, they get back. They have now the boyfriend with them because um, he made the choice to pick her over the boys. Um and they get there, and, like, all the townsfolk, as you said, are, like, in the house. They've prepared a feast. The preacher man who, like, was throttling Joshua's face prior, he's like, oh, my God, I'm really sorry about what happened earlier. That was, like, so crazy of us. Um, I want to make it up to you because that was weird. And here's this, like, feast that we prepared for you. Which then immediately, and it was sad because I, like, felt that, like, Dad was finally going to, like, maybe be on Joshua's side a little bit. Like, maybe I don't believe in goblins, but, like, whatever's going on here is weird. Mm-hmm. And then, like, kind of immediately again because Joshua's like, guys, like, we cannot eat 
eat these food. Like, they're goblins. Dad is like, Joshua, like, enough of that. Even if they're not goblins, this food looks poisoned. (laughs) Yeah, Andy, you just, like, found your son being kind of, like, attacked by a group of people you also don't the, know literally the family that's the like thing? oh we had car trouble we're leaving tonight well where the fuck did they stay mm-hmm. last night <laughs> right yeah and why wouldn't they go back to the home well that's like a big moment mm-hmm. because you think yeah like because when dad comes into the church and like that family is still there that they were supposed to like house swap with it is this moment and i forgot honestly i was rich i forgot that, that happened i was like oh yeah that family is still there and then Dad addresses it. He's like, what are you guys still doing here? And in another movie, like a different movie, that would be like the yes. huge like turning mm-hmm. point. And as you get into act three, where it's like, we're all on board now. We know something's going on and now we have to fight this. Where it's like, this is not that kind of movie. So it's like a beat of like, yeah, them being like, oh, car trouble. We'll leave tonight. And then dad kind of being like, well, yeah, okay, good. I, and then immediate acceptance. I didn't like, it realize. Really I thought again. this was just like a stupid throwaway line, but I didn't realize like the big twist that thrusts us into the story is that Joshua realizes that Neil Bog is goblin spelled backwards. I didn't realize until watching it, it was like that's supposed to be the big reveal. Like as the audience, we're supposed mm-hmm. to be like, "Holy shit!" I didn't realize. Like yeah. that's his intention, and he's taking it a hundred percent seriously. I know this isn't the scene we're talking about, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true though. It's so funny. Yeah, that's supposed to be the big aha moment when you see it in the mirror and you're like, oh my god, it's Goblin. It all makes the sense. That is my favorite moment of the movie. I love that. Um, but yeah, so then like Josh goes up to his room and then the family gets put in like four chairs in the middle of everybody in which they're like, we have all this food for you, you have to eat it, which to me, it did remind me of Jim Carrey's The Grinch mm-hmm. in which he is like, nominated as like the cheermeister or whatever and then they're like they're like the next part of the ceremony is like the like you have to try everybody's all food. the fudge and they're like and they're shoving like <laughs> shit into his mouth and that scene has always made me feel sick to my stomach when i watch the grinch because like it's just like so much food and people are like shoving it into his mouth and he like doesn't want it at a certain point and it's like all over his face Ugh, i hate it i wonder if it was uh if troll 2 was an inspiration for that scene i <laughs> we can looks, ask ron howard imagine I feel like this is the scene when they, if if they didn't realize it now, this town is a, a sex cult or they're like vampires or something. And like when they're trying mm-hmm. to, everyone's clapping in the background and kind of like half clapping, singing off key, off tune, out of time, like dancing around like like <laughs> a like Charlie Brown's Christmas. If you if you've ever seen that, all the they're doing like the same motion. Two people are doing the same thing um, when they're playing Linus and Lucy. Mm-hmm. That's what this scene is. And it, it's just, they're, like, shoving food, clapping it. They're all around some kind of fucking circle, like like it's like it's a wedding. <laughs> and it's, I, I love that he thinks, Claudio Fragasso thinks that this is what Americans do at parties. Like, this is a rager. This isn't this, what you do, Trevor. It's some variation of it. I definitely bring twenty five. This different is every Friday night that for me. say eat this now. Yes, me and everyone in my That's hometown, we would go to someone's house, break in, and and throw a party for them <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, and then put them in a circle and force feed them. Like it, it makes sense with yeah. like the witch lady making a cake and giving it to them. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm your neighbor. Like you just moved into town. Here, here, come welcome. This is a really weird thing. Anyway, a house swap. But throwing a party for them Mm -hmm. and just, like, everyone watching you and shoving food in your face, I would get really uncomfortable. I would just, like, go to the bathroom and and not come out. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm just gonna use the bathroom real quick and be like crawling out the window. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just surprised that they were um, like the adults don't really act like real humans in this movie. No, obviously no one acts like one. Well, I think they're just so hungry at this point. They don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, they not eaten in like two days. They just want they just want to eat. Yeah, no, they haven't had anything since they've arrived in. Those Europa. fucking belts are tight <laughs> at this point. All right, Joshua. Um. <laughs> He's so good. I fucking love him. Um, but the big moment of this entire thing mm-hmm. isn't even the people being there and, like, trying to feed them. It's Joshua is upstairs. He's, like, calling out to Grandpa again, who's, like, you know, like, whatever. Like, oh, wait. Is, is, no. Something happens. I can't remember exactly. But, like, essentially, he ends up outside of the house with Grandpa, like, full body apparition, just standing there with him. And Grandpa's, like well, you know, like, we have to do. Like, we, we, we have to stop this party. We have to get them out of there. And, like, he's, yeah, he's first, like, you know what we have, what has to be done. And then, like, literally pulls out a Molotov yeah, what the cocktail. Fuck? Like, this was, like, like, w- either one, like, when Grandpa was alive, him and Joshua had some, had some fun in the past with Molotov cocktails. Or that there was a previous conversation where he was, like, if it ever gets to that point. Like, Joshua knows what that is. Yeah, like, he has it like ready to go this like goes like that's the thing it's just like there's no i guess i don't really need it this obviously we know this movie is so genius that like i don't need any of that explained to me um but yeah grandpa like the abilities grandpa has is just kind of like there is no rhyme or reason to it it's just like do we need something to happen right now in the story yes how do we make that happen just give grandpa power like he has the power to freeze time Mm -hmm. he has the power to appear in mirrors as an apparition he has the power to Appears a full body fucking living apparition, it seems like. He can pull Molotov cocktails, real ones, out of his ass. Um, another power that comes literally in like moments later, he can like summon yep. lightning strikes. Mm-hmm. My favorite it's thing about like, the Molotov cocktail is that he, when he's pitching it to Joshua, as like, okay, you're gonna throw this, and then he's holding a fire extinguisher, and you think he's gonna be like, and then I will like extinguish yep. the fire. But he's like, you throw it, and then I'll distract them with the fire extinguisher. So, like, he's fully being like, I need you to murder this guy, and then I'm going to distract everybody with all the foam from this extinguisher. Well, like, presumably, like, because it's – I guess when they're looking at the party, it's presumably, like, he's not even planning to throw it at one person. He's planning to, like, throw it into the house (laughs) and, like, set everyone on fire. That's so true. And, like, his family is in there, which, like, you know, presumably there would hopefully be enough time for them to get out. But I'm like – you're really fucking dead ass playing like, with goblin, fire. Are goblins like allergic or sensitive to fire? I mean, everyone's sensitive to fire, but like, <laughs> I don't think but, goblins are more flammable. Well, I mean, you know, than like people. the Wicked Witch of the West, throw like water on her and she melts. Is right. it fire? If they yeah. touch fire, do they just evaporate, or are they scared of fire? Like, well, no, because... humans. You know, you could like go near a fire, but there are some like monsters. It's like, oh no, a fire! My weakness and. Yeah. No, I feel like the director just thought it, that's a cool weapon it's, to use. How do we shoehorn it in here? Well, just make, give it to Grandpa. It like we don't need to explain anything that happens to Grandpa. Surprise! It wasn't like a fucking like um, <laughs> a bazooka. Yes, a bazooka. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just like Grandpa, like you know what we have to do, hauling it up on his shoulder. Yeah, they only had a budget for like a glass bottle and a rag. <laughs> Dead ass. Um, but then of course, preacher man comes out. He's caught them, and he's like old man like i'm gonna send you back to hell which is a whole and, like, other thing me... of like grandpa why are you in hell well okay it's multiple things because it's like 
I can excuse the goblin thing because, like, they also have, like, unexplained powers that we don't really fully dive into fine. But, like, yeah, he gets, like, kind of, like, yellow glowing yes. eyes mm-hmm. like this guy, like, yellow contacts. Um, and he's like, I damn you back to hell. Which then this poor old man starts having, like, fucking heart palpitations on the goddamn porch. Um, and it's, like, falling over. And then, yeah, Joshua's like, Grandpa, are you actually in hell? <laughs> it's yeah. such an, so, and he's like, it's no, such no, an no, inappropriate no. question <laughs> no, to no, ask no, no. in the circumstances. I'm so glad that he asks it, though, because if they had just, like, left it at that, I would have been like, what did the yeah. grandfather do? Why is he in hell? Well, that was well, that was the thing that I was like, because less so, I didn't even read it as, like, I don't know, because he obviously is back to hell, but then I'm like, there was a part of me that was like, okay, maybe he wasn't in hell, but, like, is, does the goblin have the power to, like, send him there forever now? Grandpa seems to think no. He's like, ah, oh, he's just talking shit. <laughs> um, but then, but that's the thing, it's just like, because at this point, the go- the preacher dude has, like, grabbed the Molotov cocktail from them, so he's holding them. So it's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to light it now and do that. And that's when Grandpa's like, but I've got, like, one more trick up my sleeve. Kapow! And, like, summons a fucking strike of lightning to hit him and, of course, combust the Molotov cocktail and I lear- set I him aflame. I learned tr- this trick from the man who sent me, for the man who's from the, what, what did he say? What is the exact quote? He's like, I'm not in hell. I'm not from in Grandpa? hell. From Grandpa? But... I know one trick from the man who sent me there or something. And that's when he does the lightning, the yeah. lightning bolt. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's Zeus. <laughs> it was just before or after we get uh, the witch the witch goblin lady jumping. This I think is, it's okay. after. So we missed... I think we've seen the, well, witch, the witch goblin like, there jumping through point. the mirror and then the reverse footage thing. Oh, <laughs> yes. I think that I think that's first. Because I think this is kind of like yeah, the last time because... we see Grandpa until he eventually comes back one more time and right. then leaves forever. When he says goodbye forever, <laughs> it's so sad. It's, <laughs> um, it's so sad. Why does the grandfather know so much about goblins? But I know we talked we about that earlier. We were talking about this earlier. We were like, it. There is no explanation. Like, did he just like die and then like get the entire knowledge of the entire universe, or, or like has he fought them? Was he doing some secret goblin fighting while he was alive? And then he's like, Joshua, also, I, I can't, have something I can't to imagine tell you. what a great influence he must have been when he was alive. He's just giving Joshua a Molotov. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh yeah. here are the goblins. They exist. Pee on all this food, Joshua. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, he didn't tell Joshua to piss on it. He just said. Make sure they don't eat it. And Joshua had the genius idea. Yeah, he could have done anything, table. but that's what he chose to do. He had way more than thirty seconds, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he could have just stepped on it and thrown. Oh, it he away. strolled. Yeah, he like strolled. I that I did. I didn't even mention that when we were talking about it with Abby, but like, yeah, yeah like it just takes his like, time. And it's funny to me because, like, as we know, like they're not actually frozen. Oh my it's god, yeah, just standing there, <laughs> and there so is bad. that sense of like. You have to, if it was me as a child, I'd be like, I'd be breaking every time I tried to do it because he's like so serious and he's like inspecting them really closely dead and then to mom <laughs> mom what are you doing and it's just like they all have to like sit there and like i have to give props to joshua because obviously he's the youngest mm-hmm. of the cast and i know myself as a child like i would be laughing at everything yes. um he he's trying so, i feel you know michael paul stevenson i i feel bad <laughs> for his whole like thing i debatably he's the best goddamn actor so? in the whole bunch i mean it, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little easier because, like, he's just doing, like, mm-hmm. he's a little kid. Yeah, you don't and, have like, that, like, self-awareness where... yet, really. Yeah, where, like, you have, it's just, like, he's acting like a little kid that's, like, goblins, blah, 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 like, you know, in a little kid way. I'm not saying he's a great or a good actor, but I think comparatively to everybody else performing right. in this, 
he debatably gives the most believable performance. I don't know. I think the store clerk oh, yeah. gives the most believable performance. The store clerk's fantastic. Because he's literally said that I, I'm not in the documentary. He says, I'm not acting. I was an unwell person. That was just me. He was just saying yeah, things. Yeah, that's true. It's very, the documentary is pretty insightful into a lot of things of like, why yeah. is this? Why, why why is everyone here terrible? And it's like, well, they're not actors. <laughs> Some of them didn't know they were in a movie. And you're like, ah. Uh, like yeah. the store clerk. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, And then, um, yes. So then. They set on fire, and this this is then the climactic moment because obviously everyone runs out. Dad extinguishes the guy on fire, and then revealed underneath is now a, like a torched goblin. Mm-hmm. So Dad's like, "What the fuck?" And then at this point, like everyone in town, like it's like the jig mm-hmm. is up, and they're all like, "We're gonna get they you!" Just blah, blah, blah. Like walk towards them for like fifteen <laughs> seconds. But then the best part is, like, then, like, they're all, like, coming together. Like, the family's, like, you know, huddled, like, oh, my God, what's going on here? And then, like, they're, like, everybody get into the house. And they, like, run into the house. But, like, none of the goblins move. They just kind of, like, just stand there, like, okay. Like, let them run into the house. And then, like, begins, like, kind of, like, a stakeout situation Mm -hmm. after that. Um, But, yeah, there's many moments in the movie where you feel, like, okay, so this is going to be the, like, the moment that's going to, like, domino effect Mm -hmm. in the sense of, like, finally like clue everybody into like what seems so obvious to the rest of us that like shit here is weird and it quite literally is not until a molotov cocktail is thrown at a man that they're like okay maybe something else is going on here very clearly it is not the same actor that's on fire it is it is it is like they don't even try to make it look good because it's in broad daylight and (laughs) <laughs> essentially and and he's just like complete it's so funny i this is like i feel like anytime you watch this movie you notice a little bit of different things every time of like what doesn't mm-hmm. stand out the most and i just think the 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 intentions i could see all the intentions this time and it was just so funny of how how awful the execution was everywhere yeah it's just like every choice that was made was yes. the wrong choice but i understand like what they were going for yeah but i'm glad yes. because if the if the correct choices were made it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, be fun to watch half as it would just wouldn't be, be talking about it here and today I think that's but... the magic of this movie mm-hmm. is you you can see what they're trying to do but mm-hmm. everything is wrong and i think that's what makes a watchable bad yeah. movie is is this sincere i think sincerity in the attempt is what makes a, a watchable bad movie because you can laugh at mm-hmm. it but i'm glad the movie got made because now i'm enjoying it <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah fully agree all right so i know i brought up the boys earlier and i said there was a po- an important scene we had to talk about revolving around at least one of the boys one of the remaining boys um and it's so important that once again we cannot face it alone so we've brought on another goblin another honorary girl who cried be horror miss cornelia bendel hi hi cornelia i'm back <laughs> it's been She's too long back um because we are going to talk about now the infamous popcorn sex scene from Troll. You did hear that correctly. A popcorn sex scene. Also, like, maybe a death scene? I think it doubles um, as a kill. Not clear. I mm-hmm. think it's sex and death intertwined. Um, But, so contextually from where we just left off with the entire family, whatever, like, being, like, now being, like, oh, my God, there are goblins. Um, We cut back to the boys um, because, like, 
essentially like a credence at this point she had like her fucking hand chopped off she like regrew it by like touching the stonehenge rock that like lives in her goddamn like cabin and she's like asking the goblin lords or whatever for like great power and they suddenly make her like a hot babe like so she just doesn't have she any is beautiful awful makeup on like she really yeah. she, they, like, she like fix her teeth that's about it yeah they fix her teeth She's kind of like rouged up, but when I was rewatching that scene this morning, I was just like, I forget that she's like, like when you don't, because I just watched that scene isolated. I didn't have time to watch the whole movie this morning, but I'm just like, you can't tell that she looked like such a ghoul like 20 minutes earlier. Mm-hmm. She's fierce. Um. But so, <clears throat> excuse me. She, she then like walks off, and we cut to like the boy left in the trailer or the rv and he's like watching tv and it like cuts to this like he's like what's going on and it cuts to like a show but it's credence like walking like in the <laughs> woods toward him and she's like talking to him he's like what show is this and she's like it's not a t- it's a it's not a show i'm real <laughs> um My favorite kind of reality program i wish that would happen to me when it talks to you yeah. um I think this boy is named like, Brent, too. Sorry to interrupt. Brent? Brent. Yeah. I, I know a Brent. I think, at least I was cross-referencing it on Wikipedia. It's like, Credence visits Brent in the trailer. His name would be Brent. Um, and I can't remember, like, on the TV. Does she show him the corn cob on the TV? She's, like, holding it kind of, like, by her leg, like, kind of mm-hmm. where her garter is. So, like... In a different movie, it would be like a knife or like a little gun, yeah. and it's it's just a corn cob. <laughs> but yeah, so she like, she's like, like, I'm real. Come out and see. So of course she's like, they're so fucking horned up because they only came on this trip because they were like, you said they were gonna be hot, like available women here. <laughs> um, he runs out. There she is, and of course, like he invites her back into the trailer, and <laughs> it is just like. Such a, a choice, everything that's happening here. Because she, like, lays him down, and, like, there's, like... I don't even know how I would describe the music that's playing. I, w- I, j- I wanted to point out the music because, like, he's flipping the channels. He sees the scene outside of the trailer. She's, like, slinking down from the woods. The music is so silly because it's, like... Like, you think they were going for, like, a leg's going to appear from behind a brick wall and like a noir film but it's very like organ heavy and not like church organ like yeah like clown car organ and like you hear it as though it's coming from the tv and then he opens the door to the trailer and it gets louder the music does yeah. so which like <laughs> insinuates that it's a diegetic song coming from outside <laughs> that uh goes unexplained as to like why and where yeah, I thought the same thing it's so funny <laughs> like she just has like a boom box that you can't see I don't know I, and I was again watching it and like seeing her kind of like slink down she's doing this like little like sidestep and it's a very like subtle shoulder shimmy I'm like again she looks great it's just that this music is obliterating any chance of it actually being <laughs> erotic for most normal people yes um and then begins her, like, seduction of this teenage boy. She's like, yeah, puts, like, the gartered leg up. Mm-hmm. She has, like, the corn cob, and she's kind of, like, seductively, like, rubbing it 
on her legs and shit. And I did make a note because obviously I think they're supposed to be like, we're supposed to have like some like, oh, it's like a phallic symbol, this corn cob. Mm-hmm. Anytime in any movie when there's anything even remotely like that, like here's this like food, usually I feel like a vegetable item that's like supposed to be like insinuating like a phallic thing. I always think of a hundred that will show like on Spike TV, a hundred ways to die (laughs) because there was one specific episode I remember one time and it has haunted me since a child where like this woman went to the supermarket. She saw a really hot guy that worked. I shit you not. Like you can look the shit up. I swear to God. She, there was a really hot guy working at the supermarket and she got so horny. Also, I definitely saw this at an age where like I didn't fully comprehend. So I'm sure it did like irreversible damage on my fucking brain. Um, she got, so then she was, like, so horny that she had to buy this, like, thick-ass big carrot. She went home and then proceeded to masturbate with the carrot, which, first and foremost, girl, they make a toy for everything. You're going like, to sure a vegetable. Get a cucumber. What are you doing? A carrot. And I just remember she dies Want because, the taper. like, something about, like, she didn't, like, clean it properly or, like, it was, like, something, like, whatever it was, like, something, like, caught on her in... I don't even can't even talk about it. Like, and then, like, yeah, she, like, dies, like, masturbating with this fucking carrot. When I tell you that shit haunted me, there's also supposedly, I don't think I ever saw it, but there's also supposedly, like, a fucking Hunter Waste Die episode where a girl was, like, masturbating with, like, the end of a broomstick and, like, sitting Ooh. on top of, like, a washer that was, like, moving and then, like, fell off or, like, and then, like, oh, impaled herself stop. with it through the pussy. Girl. Nightmare. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's literally what I was thinking of the whole time. I was like, don't put that in you, girl. Oh, God. You're going to die. That would have been a weird turn of events if that's what had happened here. If she masturbated with the corn in front of him and then died. And then died. Wow, what a way to end the film. Yeah, and credits. Well, she also kind of embodies this sort of, like, I'm in charge energy that's like, she could use that corn cob on Brent. And they've Mm -hmm. been insinuating the whole movie that this bunch is like gay so mm-hmm. yeah you don't absolutely. you don't really know what the dynamic is gonna be and she's about to sodomize him <laughs> with that cob i yeah. mean but instead they just put it against their mouths start to eat it and heat it up with their body heat in there well that's, because that's obviously like the, the moment of the scene of like using the popcorn yeah. because like what kills me is like she presents it to him and she's like and she's like are you gonna like eat this with me or whatever and he's like um the way he's the line is actually I like popcorn, but like the way he delivers it, it feels like even like yes, of course it's like corn into popcorn, but like it it feels like it makes no fucking it sense. sense. Because like I fuck I wish I could remember like exactly the deliverance of the line, but it's like something like where he's like he's presented with a corn cob and he's like Actually I like popcorn. Yeah, as if she's it's handing like, him popcorn, but it's it's yeah, or, or, like, asking him a question, and it's, like, like, that would, like, insinuate, like, being, like, yes, I do like popcorn, and it's, like, and that's when she's, like, oh, well, all we have to do is heat it up, <laughs> and then puts it between their mouths, so they're, like, kissing, but they're not, their mouths aren't touching, they're kissing by, like, eating the corn, and you then, like, do that. not even off the corn cob, like, it's not like the, the kernels are popping off to make corn, it's, like, some hidden huge popcorn <laughs> machine is hidden out of sight, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, like popcorn falling and entering frame from every direction. I think it's kind of insinuated that this is how he dies. Like he either drowns in the popcorn or like this is too much because he doesn't appear in the movie again. Well, he says something well, where he's like, he's. I think it cuts back quickly where he's just like covered 
in like a bed of popcorn and there's like some coming out of his mouth and he's like no more popcorn no more i can't do anymore and i'm like have you been eating the popcorn i don't understand yeah and it's like of course it's like once again it reads so fucking unintentionally goofy of course <laughs> like that like once again if it was a different movie like it would just be like this silly like haha moment but it's like which it is but like not intentionally so we're like yeah then they don't cut back to him again so we don't know if he survived i mean like my thing is like I guess he ate the corn, so, like, he's been infected. So I imagine, like, maybe goblins will show up and, like, eat him as he's, you know, Mm -hmm. trapped in the popcorn. Like, that makes sense to me. But, like, I'm like, I don't believe that he died from, like, suffocation of popcorn because as we saw him last, like, Mm -hmm. his mouth was free. His nose was free. He was just, like, lying in a sea of it. Do you think the intention of the scene was for audiences to find it sexy? I feel like... A little bit. Like, I feel like it's that classic, like, moment where you have, like, the, like, um, femme fatale. Mm -hmm. Like, where it's, like, I know that she's evil, but damn, it's, it's sexy. But then, of course, like, despite, like, how, like, you know, she isn't, you know, a beautiful woman outside of makeup or or the bad makeup they put her in. But, like, the second the corn cob comes into the situation and it's, like, doesn't this make you hot? Like, it's, like... Not particularly. Um, so then, like, I feel like all the sex of the scene goes out of it with the introduction of the corn cob, at least for me. Yeah, I, it. knowing the backstory of this movie, because I think it's explained in, um, have you guys already talked about the documentary? Mm-hmm. Um, just the whole context of how it was, like, the idea of the story was conceived because the director and his wife, like, hated that his friends were becoming vegetarians. So I could see him, like, mm-hmm. uh, projecting a certain, like, sinister quality on the vegetable elements in the movie. But I feel like if it was in any other movie, it would just be like, something got, like, lost in translation. Like, I feel like they ran out of props or someone, like, fucked up and didn't bring the knife or the, I don't even know, mm-hmm. some sort of weapon. It feels like there should be a weapon in there. And, and it's... Well, the weapon is the vegetable, because vegetarians are yeah. evil, exactly. according to this writer-director duo. Precisely. Um, I mean, the the round of like horror movies that I've been watching lately, it's it's much more apparent to me that a lot of times, like kink and like horror, kind of just just kind of hold hands a lot. <laughs> like mm-hmm. these two are friends. Um, I don't actually. I know of one other movie with the popcorn sex scene in it, and it is a porno. So I think some people are actually maybe in it, into it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, there's a king for everything. Everybody's into something. The movie, by the way, is um, the uh, the Cinderella musical porn from the 70s. The music is actually kind of great, and I would say it's worth the watch. What's it called? It's just called Cinderella. Oh, that's disappointing. But, but like, for a musical porno from the 70s, good. I love that you have that in your, like, rep- repertoire. Are you shocked? No. <laughs> I've met Cornelia. I know, I know how she is. You can't be shocked. Um, what was I going to say? I can send you a file of um, that, too, Alex. I'll see you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when Greg's out of the house, or maybe when Greg's home, um... But there is another movie. It's actually one of my favorite movies. And it's actually my favorite movie ending of all time. It's the only other one off the top of my head that I... It's like a big popcorn scene in a movie, which is um, the end of 
Real Genius with Val Kilmer from the 80s in which they explode uh, the awful professor's house with popcorn because like I think there was like a beat earlier in the movie where he like hates he, he hates popcorn so they like literally and it's like um everybody wants to rule the world starts playing and it's like slow motion and like popcorn is just like falling from the sky it literally is my favorite movie ending of all time so it is just like I love that my two comparisons are like this <laughs> this popcorn movement that I think is like true cinematic like perfection and then this other one that also is cinematic perfection but it's in troll 2 and it involves sex <laughs> Amazing. Um, but yeah, so then when that's all said and done, because we don't, we get the cut of him like covered in popcorn later. So like when she like walks out of the trailer, we don't entirely like know like what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's another great moment because it's her like looking at herself in like the mirror, like the side mirror of the RV. And she just like full on, like, of course, because she is giving a performance the entire time. Like, crazy eyes just, like, does this, like, guttural, like, scream that also goes on for so long. <laughs> like, just, like, looking at her own reflection where I'm, like, uh, I don't entirely, like, is this just, like, a post-coitus thing that you always do? <laughs> just, like, now I gotta go stare at myself in the mirror and be, like, <sighs> like, it's a little insane and unhinged, but, of course, I was, like, She's just like me for real. <laughs> like, whatever this is, I feel like I have been there at some point. I'm also so disappointed that she's not in the documentary. I know. She's so yeah. good. She's I'm one of the best actors, I think, in the film. Because she really commits to her performance. She's the one That's that true. knows she she's on in. screen. Or mm -hmm. she's on camera. But I was looking her up. Apparently, she's managing a bookstore in Oregon. So... She's like a published cool. author. And I feel stuff. like it might be a situation like um, the actor that played Rocky in Rocky Horror Picture Show because I love Rocky Horror Picture Show and I did have a very big like Rocky Horror Picture Show phase in high school. So I was like very into all that. And of course, you know, I had a whole lot. Like we all know who I am. I had a huge ass crush on Rocky. I was like <laughs> kicking my fucking feet about it. So I was like, what's he up to? What's he done? Um, and like, yeah, he like lives some like in a different country. He like, yeah, like owns like a store or like some shit and like. It's, like, like people have, like, said that, like, he, like, is kind of, like, really embarrassed by Rocky Horror Picture Show, like, doesn't, what? like, hates that he's, like, you know, connected to it in any way. So, like, when people, like, if they meet him, like, oh, my God, whatever, and they, like, want to talk about it or want a picture, he's, like, kind of, like, reluctant and, like, doesn't want to do that, which at the end of the day, like, it's your life. You're not, you don't owe anybody anything, but, like, it's always sad when it's, like, this iconic character from this, like, cult classic film who, like... Whether it's, like, Credence, which I'm, I don't know enough about her, other than, like, it just, like, reminds me because, like, she was in the documentary. Mm -hmm. She, like, is a store, a bookstore owner now, and it's kind of, like, I'm onto different things in my life. But it's just, like, oh, my God, like, no, 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 like, we love you. Like, we want to, like, celebrate you, as the horror community does, where I feel like so many just, like, one-off, mm -hmm. strange performances in people. And some people just are not receptive to that. Yeah. And it's it's sad, but it is what it is. Okay, so we've talked about much of this movie at this point, but of course we have to come to the big climactic ending. Um, and once again, how are we to tackle a big climactic ending without the help of our very last goblin that's coming on the podcast today, another honorary girl who cried before, who was on very recently. We have AJ Beltus with us. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, AJ. Welcome back. So good. Two um, months in a row. I know, I'll take literally. it. Literally. <laughs> killing it. Um, and some bitches haven't even been on once. So he's coming for you're gig. really a special guest. Um, but so now we're at the point in the movie 
the goblins have been discovered. The popcorn sex scene has just happened. Let's cut to the family is, of course, like they're in a stakeout with the goblin town folk that are trying to get in the house or trying to get this family. They break in. They're in goblin form. That's a whole other goddamn push in the movie of like them running around trying to fight these goblins. Meanwhile, because they had a seance to try to contact grandpa um, that somehow transported Joshua to the witch's cottage cabin thing. So he's in there trying to figure out how to stop all this and save his family. Um, Once again, with the ghost of grandpa, um, in which grandpa, because he has endless knowledge, as we know, he knows the answer to everything involving the goblins puts his hands on the Stonehenge rock. And he's like, "You, it, the power of goodness is what's going to win, of course, because that's always the answer. Um, and you have to touch the rock and, like, concentrate, I guess, on being good um, to defeat the goblins. Um, but he's like, you have to do this alone, Joshua, because, like, I don't have the power to stay here anymore. What the fuck ever. Um, goodbye forever. Thus, <laughs> goodbye forever. Um and then enter, of course, like, Credence and her goblins, um, who are now, like, they've caught Joshua, and mm-hmm. they're going to try to eat him. AJ, how, how did you feel about Credence and that performance? No. <laughs> right. I, I, I admittedly watched this movie a week ago, so I was like, I should refresh and watch this. I watched I the last the half an hour. I think you're the only person on the pod, yeah, that, like, this was, like, your first watch. Was first watch. You're welcome. Completely green, no pun intended, but completely green going into this. And I, I, yeah, I watched it a week ago and I thought to myself, you know, I need to refresh. And the two things that stood out to me were number one, Joshua is insufferable. And number two, Credence is insufferable. But I remember Credence was insufferable as well. I don't know what was up with her teeth. Did they did they not have makeup people that day or? Well, the the production itself was very very small and low budget, but it felt very much like when you have like braces and then you get them taken off and you have like slightly yeah. like discoloration of where the little like metal mm-hmm. bits were. Yeah, I mean, I think she's an icon. She's uh, yeah, she's really given. Her I all. think she serves a one of a kind performance. That's that's not to be taken away from her. There's a lot of yelling from both her and Joshua that I, I acknowledged in the last act of this movie. And all I can think of when I think of this actress and this performance is overacting, yelling, wide eyes, and stained teeth. Yeah, that's her. Stained teeth for sure. Um, to be fair, I feel like overacting, you could say, for most anyone in the film. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the sister included. Oh, oh the sister's the top of the list. Holly yeah. is acting with a capital O. Um... <laughs> But, yes, so then this is, (laughs) because as we've established up until this point, like, these goblins, they can only eat, like, vegetables. There's a whole vegetarian theme going on in this movie. Mm -hmm. And when they had, like, the secret, like, town hall meeting sermon, they were talking about how they think it's disgusting when, like, humans eat meat Yeah, because it gives us hemorrhoids. Don't you know? Don't you know? Um, And... So in this final moment of, like, the, the goblins are approaching Joshua and they're like, we've caught you, little boy. Like, we're going to fucking eat you. He reaches into his, like, knapsack bag or whatever and pulls out a double-decker bologna sandwich. <laughs> Literally. And when I tell you, even having seen this movie before, there's stuff about this movie that, like, every time you watch it, you're amazed once again. You're like, wow. He pulls that shit out. And, like, a double-decker, yes, I know it's, like, double the meat. How much fucking meat no, is that? That's in my, an like, entire pack of like Oscar Mayer bologna. Literally. I was like, holy shit. That is the most meat I've ever seen on a sandwich in my life. Of course, there's 
nothing else on it it's a hamburger bun with yeah an entire new pack of oscar meyer between the two buns and okay. i'm like does hell have a deli <laughs> if it does that's <laughs> what's on the menu where where did grandpa get this did he just run down to his local Kroger or Stop and Shop or whatever is in, in Utah mm-hmm. and say, uh, you know, I got to kill some of these guys later. Can I get some transcendentalism baloney I can give to my grandson, please? I mean, we were talking about this earlier. It's just like, Grandpa, like, you just have to accept that, like, he's dead, which means that, like, they're going to use that to their advantage of, like, any plot point that we don't have an answer for because clearly this isn't well written. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no. We're just going to, I know, it's really bold of me to say, you guys. Um... We're just going to um, insert a new power for Grandpa. So as I was listening earlier, like, you know, he can free, like, amongst other things, freeze time, command lightning, um, appear in different forms as he likes to. And on top of being able to, like, magically have a Molotov cocktail up his ass, he can also magically have a double-decker bologna sandwich stored somewhere mm-hmm. on his person just for said occasion. Absolutely. Um... But yes, and then he comes in, and as I think Alex, you had said earlier, like, on top of, like, they don't like when humans eat meat, they're also, like, repulsed by just, like, the action of being around, like, someone eating meat. So, of course, mm-hmm. Joshua, like, taking, like, a big old chomp, how he fit it in his little tiny well, he was, like, child mouth. Like, a little mouse, yeah. like, chomping exactly. on it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's um, how I would eat it, because bologna is disgusting, and I, if I had to... There's so much meat on that sandwich, uh, I could not get no, over how no fucking thick that was. Dry as fuck. real dry um but i guess if it's that or like the expired milk that they're trying to shove down your throat i'll take the bologna yeah yeah but bologna has all that cholesterol that's true he's yeah he's just it's it's like cholesterol early gray for him anyway think about the cholesterol joshua think about your figure um but and then yeah like credence and her little goblin henchmen are like revolted and then of course conveniently the family shows up they've found joshua they're like joshua and it's just like a just another incredible moment of this movie in which he's like you guys have to help me like put your hands on the rock which of course like at this point it's like mom i think we've seen enough you know what i'm saying like i've been trying to tell you guys this shit all along Mm -hmm. you have not believed a word of it it's right here in front of you because then of course she's like what are you talking about and he's like the Put your hands on the rock. Like, the power of goodness will save us. We have to concentrate. And then the power of goodness does, in fact, save them because then it's like a fucking montage of, like, <laughs> the goblins dying. No, literally. Oh, yeah. The AJ one goblin's eye that exploding. pops out and they show mm-hmm. it on two separate, like, shots. But it's the yeah, same. Yeah, they show it, like, two or three times. There's, like, the one, yeah. like, <sighs> like Although... clearly just, like, exploding. You missed the moments where he told his family to concentrate, and apparently they weren't doing it well. Yeah. So he had to specify, concentrate more. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is also interesting that the mom is kind of the last one to get on board when in the first scene with her, she is the one who's like, Michael, who is a goblins? Like, you already preemptively <laughs> know about the goblins from the beginning of the film. Yeah. So you should not then be surprised later on when the goblins are there. You already asked who they are. Get it together, mom. Which later it brings up a topic that we've also been bringing up throughout the episode in which it's like, how does Grandpa know so much about the goblins? And if the answer is like, okay, in his life he was like low-key a goblin hunter, you would just feel like, I don't know. Like, his daughter would know She that. would already have like inklings of like that. Even if she was like, dad's crazy. Like he believes in like he's hunting goblins. Like, but once again, then when like the evidence pre- presented to her, it would be like this like, aha, like it's all clicking moment. Like dad wasn't crazy. He was right. But it's like, 
this movie is not on that. They're not going that Honestly, way. Honestly, I'm not putting together the obvious choices. I need a prequel There's about no... Grandpa and his goblin hunting days that lead yeah. up to him knowing. And, and what, how did he die? Did a goblin get him? Who knows? There's there's really no John Winchester energy if that's what they were trying to go for here. You're right. Oh my God, literally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Literally John Winchester for sure. Oh. Um, I keep sending Alex. I don't know if you're on TikTok, AJ, but there's these two guys that <laughs> they like do like like these fake reenactments of like Supernatural episodes. And like the one guy that does Sam, he just like wears like a really bad wig and he does like an exaggerated like Jared Padalecki walk and he like does like an exaggerated voice and it's so fucking funny to me that every time I see one I have to send it to Alex. Ugh. And now it's just making me want to rewatch Supernatural again. I still haven't finished the show though. I have the last two to go. Uh, Loki, neither have I, not, but like it's because like it should have ended so many seasons earlier than it should have. Yes. Listen, or I'm did, not gonna spoil and... anything for either of you. I'm not happy with the way that the series ended, but I mean, I'm sure I won't be either. I did finish I'm, it. I'm not happy that it went on this long, so. It does not have a satisfying ending for me, but, you know, to each their own. Um, anyways, so, all this to say, they vanquish the goblins after the incredible montage of exploding heads and, like, stunt, you would hope at least stunt, bodies falling over, like, the balcony, everyone's oozing green mm-hmm. shit, they die. Mm-hmm. And then... The family gets back home. There is, like, once again, you want to believe, I still, I'm like, this has to be intentionally, like, comical. But you just don't know in this movie when most of it was, like, not intentionally made that way, obviously. Mm -hmm. Where they pull into the driveway and everyone's just, like, looks, like, disheveled and exhausted. And, like, dad's like, I'm going to go into the office for a little bit. And Holly's boyfriend is like, I'm going to go home. And she's like, I'm going to come with you. And then, like, mom and Joshua are like, okay, we'll, like, stay here and wait for you. So, like, we have to have the explanation of, like, where is everybody at this time for what's about to come next? And it's one of those things that, like, truly in any movie, especially a horror movie, you know is, like, a movie, if you've ever watched a movie before, that it's, like, if it all was said and done, it was going to be a happy ending, we would have cut on, like, the beat of them in the driveway, like, fuck, mm-hmm. credits. Mm-hmm. We're lingering a little too long on them now back in the house that, like, you know something else is coming. Like, they're they're hanging around too long and in fact that does happen because they get inside joshua's gonna take a nap but of course mom's snacking on an apple before she does and then she's like and i'm gonna take a shower too and then nap and then of course joshua i'm trying to remember exactly doesn't he see a message or something oh you know it's on the baseball yes like a baseball like this is yummy mommy yeah yeah mommy is so good like mommy tastes so good yeah um because she's in the shower at this point. So, of course, like, he freaks out. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's at the beginning of the movie when they made it to the goblin house they were swapping at. Like, one of the kids that, like, we now know is a goblin that was leaving, like, tossed him a baseball that said, like, eat before we, like, eat you. Yeah. Um, in the same, like, green, like, gel writing. Um, and then, of course, Joshua runs upstairs, finds that the shower is, like covered in green goop mom is not there Mm -hmm. and then he runs back down to the kitchen and there is a mannequin body that we are supposed to believe is mom (laughs) oh i love it i love the the titties that they had to include and well for a second i was like there's no fucking way this actress showed her titties and then i was like this is a mannequin that's why um and she's covered in green slop and it's just a bunch of goblins like eating her innards that Mm -hmm. are now green slop and then joshua like 
like screaming like they're eating like, my mother i know you know i love um, a fucked up ending so i was you know even though i do like a happy ending every once in a while i like when shit ends miserably and that's fucked up to mm-hmm. find your mother's dead corpse being fucking nommed on by a bunch of goblins that's traumatizing and as th- ridiculous as this movie is, there's actually a good deal of effective kinder trauma. Whereas if I saw this movie when I was a kid, mm-hmm. there are a good like three or four segments that honestly would have creeped me out. And this might have been one yeah. of them. Yeah, it's a very dark way to end the movie. Um, are they in their own house or are they back at the house that, in Nilbog still? They're at no, their they, house. Went, they home, went home. Okay. So, I mean, I guess logistically, I just don't understand how the goblins got apples well i remember somebody saying like oh well it's like the family they swapped with which obviously but they, they yes. never went the movie. there well, i think they did they the said movie. they're leaving tonight yeah which like i guess like it's once again it's not well written because like contextually it's like could they have gotten there in time um because like that like joshua discovering them at the town hall and then like immediately like they have like it's like all this happens in like one day mm-hmm. evening um but then yeah, at the same time, it's, like, also, like, if they never left because they were under the impression, that like, well, we're going to stay because, like, we don't need to go there. And, like, we're going to eat this family. Like, at what point where they were, like, maybe this family will get out alive. So we need to, like, preemptively get to their mm-hmm. house. Unless, I guess, they were, like, they had, a great like, plans for world domination, I guess. Like, we're going to move outside of Nilbog and, like, start spreading our goblin mm-hmm. debauchery to other places. Um... But yeah, I think the explanation for most people, I feel like, equate that to is the other goblin family was waiting for them okay. at home. Um, mm-hmm. There's something else I was going to bring up. Why can I not think of it now? Hmm. Um, damn, what the fuck were we talking about right before that? About shower about mannequins. Well, yeah, we're... Oh, yeah. well, the thing I was going to say, when AJ brought it up, like, the kinder trauma or whatever, and obviously, like, when we just had AJ on for The Gate with Trevor, which if you guys have not listened to that episode yet, it's really fun. Check it out. But we were talking about a lot of stuff there, too, because obviously The Gate is very silly. It's not on the level of Troll 2, um, but there's those moments, yeah, where once again, if I, like, watched it as a kid, like, ideas and things presented probably would have, like, really, like, scared me. And I think even with this, for even how silly it was, it there is that element of, like, as I talked about in The Gate, where it's, like, something that's always been scary for me is, like, your parents not acting like your parents. Where, like, I think the idea in general of, like, Joshua going to this town, like, kind of knowing the whole time, like, there's goblins here. And, like, his parents, like, never believing him. Even when, like, as an audience, as we were talking about when Trevor was on prior, um, like, it's so obvious that these townspeople, even if you don't want to believe they're goblins, are fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Something is strange. Like, it's, like, cult vibes, like... You fucking found one of them, like, the, the, you found a group of them, like, essentially, like, gripping your child and trying to force feed him something. Like, that's strange, weird behavior. And, like, still not, like, believing your son when he's, like, you know, I, we need to get out of here. I don't feel safe. Like, is a scary idea to me and, like, really would have been a scary idea to me as a child being, like, oh, my God. Like, what will it take for my parents to, like, believe me and, like, help me? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the credit I will give to this film as well is, like... Maybe if I watched this really young, I'm sure visually, yeah, there'd be some things where I'm like, that's freaky, and it's, like, kind of ingrained in my mind now as being, like, really, like, un- unsettling, but I think that idea as a whole would have, like, affected me. Yeah, I like the idea of just, like, what happens next. Like, his mom is now dead. 
he is alone. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that like dad and sister. Well, yeah, didn't but he's come now alone with, with these goblins, and Grandpa said goodbye forever. So Grandpa's not coming yeah, back to help you. Goodbye now you're on your own. You have to destroy these de- these goblins now in your own home by yourself. I like. I mean, I imagine that Joshua probably was also killed next. Dead. Yeah. Probably, and we'll have to find out in Troll Three. Oh my god, <laughs> maybe one day. I didn't even bring this up earlier. I have to bring it up right now. I'm gonna bring it up earlier. But so as we know, like Troll, and then there's Troll Two, and the original Troll has nothing mm-hmm. to do with this movie. Mm-hmm. All the other movies, there's three others supposedly connected to this franchise. Really, the Crawlers, um, under control, <laughs> um, and um, I Goblin Two. I guess I knew about Goblin Two, which again doesn't make any sense. Goblin Two would be the sequel to this, right? Because this was supposed to be Goblins. Yes, I believe so. So, so Goblin Two is the sequel to Troll Two. Were they made by the same director? Um, let's see. He's made a lot of movies based on um, the documentary. No, no, not his films. They're not. Okay. Interesting. I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot you can do with with these goblins if you really want to. The bar is not very high, so. <laughs> well, I think when you establish in Troll 2 that it's like, yeah, they don't even have to be trolls. They could be goblins. Yeah. They could be something like that. They could be something in the ballpark. And also, it doesn't have to relate to anything that's happened before. All you have to do is Let take just make a creature up and put the title on Reverse it. the name, and then there you go. Mm-hmm. You got a town. So, you got a setting. You're good to go. In theory, I could make a troll franchise movie right now. And... It wouldn't matter. And they would just put it in the franchise and be like, sure, that works. It's kind of like the Cloverfield rule. Yeah. Yes. It's just the uni- oh, control universe. Wow. Um, yeah. And that, I guess, like, closes out the ending plot-wise of um, the marvelous Troll 2. Okay. And now, as always, we get into... Well, for some people, I'm sure, is the best part of the whole episode, which is everybody's favorite, the Q and Sly. Okay, so welcome everybody to the Q and Sly section. As you have heard in the rest of our episode, we've had some goblins along to talk about different facets of this movie. So they might rear their little goblin heads to give an answer here or there to some of these Q and Sly questions. Um, so, you know... Keep your ears open for maybe some extra answers along the way. Never have too many answers. Literally, you never have too many answers. We love to give multiple answers ourselves. Um, Okay, Alex, what Mm -hmm. is your favorite line from Troll 2? Well, I was telling you before we recorded that I wrote down like 20 lines because I was like, every fucking line in this movie is incredible. And we've already talked about my absolute favorite line, which is the the tightening my belt one loop so I don't feel hunger pains because I just don't think that there's a better line in like cinema history than that fucking line. I think it's hilarious. But to provide a new line, I will give you my second favorite, which is a Holly line. Um, It's pretty early on in the film. It's when she's in her bedroom with Elliot and he's, she's trying for the first time to get him to pick between, you know, her and his friends. And she's trying to say that, you know, her dad thinks he's good for nothing. He doesn't like her. And he makes a, a comment about, like, being, like, a, quote, homo. And I don't like that line. I think mm-hmm. that's stupid. But what she says immediately after it, she says something about, like, oh, like, you'll be one soon, 
which doesn't or, make like, sense. it wouldn't take much or something. Yeah, which I'm like, okay, King. Um, but then she says, and it's just the de- it's the delivery of the line. She says, if my father discovers you here, he'd cut off your little nuts and eat them. He can't stand you. It cracks me up the way she says, your little nuts and eat them. She's- I'm like, girl, you can tell that she was struggling to give that line. And she talks about it in the documentary that, like, she hated having to say that line. Yeah. But it's just, like, that's not the way in any universe that that's how you deliver that line. But... Well, she also it in the documentary was me. talking about how um, the director was like telling her what was considered American, even though yeah, she yeah. was American and he was not, um, which was also in itself funny. Um, my favorite line, I feel like in the grand scheme of like Troll Two lines, it's not one that's mm-hmm. like particularly like, oh my god, like that is the best line. But like this is the line that like for me is my favorite, which is the whole point. Um, and I feel like it mm-hmm. is like a catalyst of a line to be like, aha, which is when Joshua is looking in the rear view or the side mirror of the car and he sees the street sign and like the troll to like that musical beat comes in where it's like, doo, 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 doo. and he's like, oh, nail bug, it's goblin spelled backwards. And that is, then then we already knew this, but it's like, if you didn't for any reason, you're like, oh my God. Of course. They're in the Goblin headquarters. They're in the Goblin city. Um, Goblin capital of the world. I just feel like it really encapsulates, obviously, like, story-wise, I guess, like, what the whole fucking thing is about. But at the same time, it's the silliness and the ridiculousness of the line, I feel like, also perfectly captures, like, the tone of this movie and, like, the ultimate silliness of the whole thing. So I feel like it, it's a good representation of the film as a whole. Yeah, it's very, like, simultaneously incredibly campy, but also so on the nose and, like, with no hint of, like, trying to be campy. They really think it's, like, this is going to get them. This line, we're going to blow their fucking minds. But then you're like, yeah, King, I, like, obviously. It's the big reveal. You're, they're like, they're not ready yeah, for so this funny. one. Ugh, so um, and why don't we hear from the Troll Peanut Gallery? Hmm? All right, Elliot. Time to choose the beautiful Holly Good or, or your boys. You can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. It would be a shame. The blood would, mi- would mix with the meat, and we'd have to leave it in vinegar for the whole night. There's no coffee here in Nilbog. It's the devil's drink. <laughs> that was good. All right. What is your favorite kill or practical effect from this film? My favorite kill or practical effect is actually um, at the end of the movie when Joshua is back home with Mom, the... He's essentially figured out through the whole, like, baseball rolling down the stairs that mom has been got. And he runs upstairs to the shower. Um, and he finds, he, like, opens the, the bathroom door. He pulls back the, the glass shower door. And it's just covered in, like, green slop or whatever. Which, like, I think, once again, it's one of those things where it's, like, maybe in the grand scheme of, like, ridiculous troll moments. Like, that's kind of a throwaway one. I really like it for two reasons. Like, I think I was saying with AJ, like, I... Like that, you know, this movie isn't obviously doing a lot scare-wise for me, but I think it's one of the things, once again, like, as a child, like, that idea of, like, if I went looking for one of my parents and then found, like, carnage of any kind, like, where they once were, like, that's fucking scary. Like, anything happening in your own home, which I think is universal, like, some, like, a place that you're supposed to feel really safe and then something, like, 
really fucking horrifying happens is traumatizing. I also just like, obviously, like, obviously it's green because it's in green this whole movie. But, like, I just like that it's just, like, presumably she was in the shower. And once again, if this was, like, a different horror movie with maybe different practical effect like abilities or things they were going for I feel like we would have gotten a scene of like mom in the shower like transforming and like kind of like almost like melting a little bit and Mm -hmm. turning into this green group that like then leaves it all over the walls which like I'll let my imagination do of all that and like really enhance the scene for me even though that's not exactly what you end up seeing nice love that my favorite practical effects um in this film are just the goblins in general because I think that they are so well made for probably the budget that they had. I mean, it's clear that they only probably made a couple of them and then they used them, you know, specifically to like get shots to make it look like there are more of them. And they're all very unique looking, but there's one goblin in particular. I guarantee you it's the one that I fucking hate. Oh, I guarantee it's the one that's eyes pop out at the end. Like the googly um, eye motherfucker? There is this one goblin. I cannot express how much I fucking love him. No. I I would do anything for him. I like you could show me a shot of the film with like 20 goblins and he would catch my eye immediately every single time. I love him. Um I can't really describe his face, but there is a scene when they're trying to feed Joshua the the like porridge or whatever the fuck it is, the ice cream, and there's a close up of him like licking his fucking sh- like jagged teeth. That's the guy I love. Maybe we'll put him on Instagram or something because I love him. He, I think, is the best practical effect in the film. I specifically hate the googly-eyed goblin. (laughs) I remember the first time I watched and he, and because all the other goblins, yeah, they're like slightly different, but like they all have like the kind of same look in the face. And he's the only one that they gave like defined eyes to. I remember he came on and I was like, what was that? What was that? (laughs) And then it was like gone. And I was like, I didn't imagine that. And then he came back again. I was like, get him away. I don't want to see him. I'm surprised. I was honestly going to bring him up earlier. And then like, he never came up. And I was like, great. I don't have to talk about that. And then I should have known. I should have (sighs) known. All right. Goblin. What do you, what do you think? (laughs) I want to give an honorable mention to the scene where Arnold is kind of being saved when he's a tree. Mm -hmm. It reminded me a lot of the Jared Padalecki piano. I was the same thing. When the cheek oh, comes yeah. off. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Great film, House of Wax. But ultimately, I think that it would have to go to uh, th- probably Credence's stump hand or the dream where Josh was imagining his parents for being evil. I know I just kind of gave three answers, but that last one is very kinder traumatic. I could see that being really creepy as a kid. All right. So if you were in Troll 2, which would be a dream, wouldn't it? Um, who would be your partner in crime in the movie? My partner in crime is, um, the googly-eyed motherfucking goblin. Because, oh, Jesus. Because, listen, I don't really want to hang out with anyone in that family, particularly. I don't want to hang out with any of the boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to hang out with the witch. So, you know, if I'm going to be a nilbog, I better befriend somebody who maybe will help me out and he just has a kind face. You think he'd give you a pass? He'd be like, don't yeah, worry. We, we, I think we would be like best friends. Um, I think, uh, could you imagine like a cute little odd couple sitcom with me and him? I mean, I think you're cute. I don't think he's cute. Well, that's why we're the odd couple. Because he's ugly. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do question though, if you were living in Nilbog with him, 
there's no other like food in Nilbag. It's either like you have to eat people that have turned into plants, or you have to eat like their like crazy like well, vegetables that are like laced with Nilbog. like poison. You're gonna stay no, I'm there. gonna I'm no, I'm gonna I'm gonna manipulate him. Wow, and, it comes and I'm out, gonna it comes out here, folks. I'm gonna manipulate him, and we're gonna build such a strong connection that he's not gonna want to kill me, okay. and he's gonna help me escape, and there will be like pen pals. <laughs> I love that you think he can write. Um, with those fucking, like, huge hands that were, like, stapled to the burlap sacks well, they're in. Well, when he's in his human form, I think he's, like, an old woman, so, you know. Not that. Um, well, what a choice. Um, I think to quite literally no one's surprise, at least not yours, um, my choice is Michael Waits, a.k.a. Dad, a.k.a. George Hardy, um, mm-hmm. because it's one of those things where it's, like, yes, as Roberto was saying earlier in the section about the best worst movie um yeah when you watch troll 2 for the first time other than like some of his like really great lines which like everyone has really great lines um he doesn't stick out anyway like as a character particularly but i think at least for me once you see the documentary you cannot separate like you're just like i just see george hardy even though he's not even playing a george hardy-esque character i just can't mm-hmm. separate the two in my head yeah. um i'm also not gonna pretend like i didn't think young george hardy in that movie could fucking get it he could i said what i motherfucking said well when someone called him a rich man's craig t nelson in the documentary i was like oh my fucking god that's exactly who he looks Wait, like who's craig t nelson he's an actor what is he if in? you look him up um, I know him from Parenthood. Um, he's coach. He's coach? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> on the show coach. Hold on. I'm texting on the show you. coach. Oh, yeah. I'm watching that all the time. Well, that's like his main thing. I'm texting him to you. He's like, uh, George Hardy's a rich man. Him. So they're saying George Hardy is better than him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. I know him, and yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, and also specifically based on the Michael Waits character, like, for sure. He's just your run-of-the-mill white dad, and, you know, he doesn't believe his son about the trolls, which are the goblins, rather, which is not ideal. But I will say this. Now, we brought it up with Abby. He's not an abusive dad. He doesn't mm-hmm. hit Joshua. He doesn't do it. Not, you know, bar on the fucking floor, but, like, whatever. But there isn't, like, specifically, once he um, saves Joshua at that one point, and then they pick up Holly, in which he gets out of the car, and he, like, low-key, like, gets in the boyfriend's face, and he pretty much is, like, laying down the law. Like, he's not even being, like, I, like, like, it's not, like, the classic, I feel like, dad moment, where it's, like, I just don't want my daughter to date. Or it's, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that because you're, like, I don't know, like, I see you as lesser because you work at, like, the gas station or some shit, like, that you're not worth my daughter. Like, it's literally him being, like, Show my daughter some fucking respect and stop fucking around with your boys all the time. Make a choice or don't fucking come. And I'm like, hell fucking yeah, dad. Like, he's riding for his daughter. Um, and I really appreciated that. So, like, yeah, I would stick by George Hardy. And presumably I would survive because they all survive. And the only person that dies from the family in the end is mom. And potentially Joshua. And potentially Joshua. But if I'm with sticking with dad... I'm in the clear. I do. Th- I do find it very interesting that um, he refers to her boyfriend as a good for nothing, and then later on in the film, we discover that um, Grandpa has referred to him as a good for nothing that he wishes his yes. daughter didn't marry. And I'm yeah. like, wow, the way that the tradition just continues. I know they never. We learn. never break these fucking cycles. Oh my god, it's, this movie is so fucking deep. We can't even get into it. <laughs> um, well, I would like to hear um, if the goblins have anything to say on this one. I know I talked some shit, 
ultimately, I'd want Grandpa. Because <laughs> mm. at least he knows. This is, na- this is now where she tells us she thinks he's yeah, hot. Exactly. I knew it was going to okay, come like, back. Once again, like, it lo- not left field for me in terms of my history. I know, you know, these listeners don't know me personally. I'm not attracted to this grandpa, just so everyone knows. I, I, I love Joshua, like credit, you know, for his pissing stunt. I think I could do better up against You're these You're going to take a shit on the table? <laughs> yeah, on fucking command, bitch. Uh, Connie Young as Holly but only when she's in the Garfield shirt or in her Jazzercise outfit. Ugh, I feel like I'd have to go with Credence because I just love that she weaponizes her sexuality in a way that I can only dream of emulating. I'm going to go with Elliot. Ew. The boyfriend. Wait, Elliot the boyfriend? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh my god, AJ, Because you what? Because you want to seem cooler and smarter by comparison? You're, you're, ready, you're ready for this? Yes. Elliot is the Steve Harrington of Troll 2. <laughs> Oh my god, you are reaching. He is with his friends. He's not sure what to do about his girlfriend. And then all of a sudden, he's like, you know what? I've got to do the right thing. And he goes with his girlfriend. He mans up and he helps fight off the trolls. He even tries to reason with the trolls. Says, come on, we're all humans here, even though they're, they're not human. But he is down for the count. He has failed himself in his relationship so many times. And he steps up at the end of this movie. And he makes the right decision and he does the right thing. So I want somebody who is flawed but can save himself and redeem himself. So I'm going with Elliot. All right. So for my original question, I'm kind of bringing it back to one of our original questions we used to ask way back in the day when we our old format. Um, oh, yes. Lord. So let's just pretend that you and your immediate family are going to go on a home exchange to Nilbog. Put yourself in the Joshua character position where you are the one who recognizes what's happening, that there are goblins around. Are you able to successfully convince your family that this town is overrun by goblins and get them out safe and sound? Or do you think your family would perish? Here's what I'll say. If it was me and it was like I was Joshua's age, I did have a track record um, on <laughs> on some of our Cape Cod family vacations of like deciding I didn't want to be there and then being like, so I have to um, ruin this time for everybody. Like I really was on some like really fucked up mental shit, I feel like. Because like, no, it's even- just the Aries in you. It, it is. Because it is. it would give me a moment where I'd be like, what if my mom was like, okay, then we'll leave. Like, we'll all leave and we'll go home. Like, I'd be like, wait, no. Don't yeah. do not do that. So it's just like throwing a tantrum for the sake of being like, a, literally, I guess, attention. Like, just being an asshole. Um, which, whatever. It's a little, it's not really excusable, but it's like one thing when you're a kid. There's fucking adults that do shit like that. And it's like, come the fuck on. Um, all this to say, I think at that age, I could be successful with the whole family because I would literally just like, from moment one, like, when I tell you if I put my mind to it, I can ruin a day, a week, a fucking year for anyone in the vicinity. Like, I am m- malicious. Um, so, yes, I would have been able to do that as a child, for sure. No fucking questions asked. Today, if we went on a family vacation, I believe that I would survive. I feel like that was always what I was saying, too, in the OG questions. And we used to have this as a question, sort of. But I, because I'm a picky eater, that's my fucking saving grace. Um, I think I could save my mom and Bridget because Bridget and I are kind of like ride or die. Like if I know if I was like for reals with her and like pulled her aside and I was like, I'm not fucking kidding. Like, look at me in the eyes. Like, do not fucking eat this shit. 
like I swear to you like whatever I think she would believe me and my mom I think that my mom specifically like if I tell her something and I'm like girl I'm being so fucking for real with you she would believe it my dad is a classic dad so like I know that he wouldn't fucking listen he'd be like and then you know he would start eating that shit and then like get sick and then like not take blame he would be like you told me and I didn't listen it'd be like "Uh, this is something else and then Seamus love him but like I feel like that's a lost cause. Like, he would just, like, he would, like, listen but, like, not hear me. It's just, like, listen, I'm going to be real with you. Like, the men in my family aren't making it. The women are surviving. That's how I view the situation. (laughs) I love that. Amazing. I mean, I think if it were me, I think as a child, no. We would have all died immediately because nobody ever listened to me because I'm the youngest. And no matter how fucking hard of a tantrum I would have thrown – Nobody would have listened to me. They would all have died, and I would have died with them because of it. I think if it was today as a 30-year-old woman going on a family trip with my parents and my sister, um, I still think that both my parents would die because my dad, as much as I love him, has that, like, classic Irish temper. And also, he loves to – anytime, like, I – and like upset by something or I don't like something that he does, he always tells me that I'm soft as a grape. And he's always like, oh, you're so soft. Like, and I'm like, okay, King, like, I'm sorry that I have emotion and empathy. So I think he would just think I was being fucking dramatic and he wouldn't listen to me. And it would probably just spark like a really big fight between my parents. And then they would just go to separate areas and die separately. God, Um, Lord. I think possibly I could save my sister. Um, depending on what kind of mood she was in that day, it would really depend. Mm-hmm. But I think I would survive because if I know the goblins are existing, I'm not fucking eating anything. No. I'm just trying to help you guys. If you don't want to listen, you don't want to listen, you know. So I would survive regardless. Don't think that any of them would. Um, but, you know, if the roles were reversed and I was not the one in the Joshua position, if you fucking present me with a dessert, I can't say for sure that I'm not going to eat that dessert. So, like... Unless I'm given the knowledge, mm. I'll probably also die. So it's it's complicated. I understand why they were like, Joshua, go away. Yeah. I've always said, and I probably shouldn't say it on the podcast because who knows who listens to this, but like a, the best way to kill me is just offer me like a cupcake because I will eat it. And little do you know the only person trying to kill you is me. Well, now you know. <laughs> I, I, I knew. All right. Well, I want to hear about some extended goblin families. I have always seen myself as the almost survivor in every horror uh, realm. I see the one, you know, if we're talking Scream 4, spoiler, I see myself as the Hayden Panettiere. Obviously, we know now that she's coming back, but I see myself as being universally beloved to the point where my death is the most heart-wrenching part of the film. What about your family, girl? And my family, I don't know about them. Um, it's not <laughs> they, about them. They could them. be dead for all I care. <laughs> I would be sacrificing myself in order for my family to live. That's my ending. Do you think that after your sacrifice, they would make it? Yes. Or do you think they'd fumble that sacrifice? No, they would fumble the bag. Okay. (laughs) So the answer to the question was no, you're all dying. Yeah. Okay. And then the last question I have to offer up, which I think it will be interesting to hear what what your response is, is um, if for some reason they decided we're not going to make a new troll movie for the franchise. We're going to remake in the year of our fucking Lord 2022. I guess we're nearing closer to 2023 now. Um, a troll two remake. Exactly the same movie, but brand new modern cast. 
Who would you want to see cast specifically as Credence, who is the Goblin Witch Queen? Whatever the fuck. It's such a hard question because I feel like of all the characters, Credence is the one with the most nuance because she is the character who is simultaneously like the quote-unquote scary one. She's like creepy and scary, but she's also the campiest one. And I think that kind of comes down to her performance and the Mm -hmm. way that she delivers a lot of her lines, the facial acting that she's doing. So I would want somebody who could kind of embody all of those things. Um, I feel like you could give me a month and I would come up with like 100 different people and every day I'd be like, no, 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 forget that. I want this person instead. Yeah. Um, But I will say, and I think I've probably picked this person before for other things just because I think they're really talented. Um, But I would go with Patty Harrison, who is... Uh, oh yes from I think you should leave and she's she's actually been expanding and doing a lot more she was in a movie this year um, I think she's in She-Hulk is she I mean I you know I haven't seen I think so oh you know I think she is I think she is I saw a movie with her this year that I really enjoyed where she played um I forget if she was a surrogate or she she just like has a baby with some like dude because she wants to have a baby I forget what it was but it was really good and I was really happy to see her in a leading role um and I think that she has the ability to be, like, really fucking creepy and weird, but also really, really funny. And yeah. she has great physical comedy. So, I mean, I want Patty Harrison in everything. So yeah. she's, like, kind of always the first one that comes to my mind. But I do think that given, you know, the costume and the makeup and just left to her to perform, she'd fucking kill it. I agree. Um, my pick... Um was actually uh, Jessica Roth, the lead of Happy Death Day. Oh, um, nice. I, I'm obsessed with her. Like, ever since she's been Happy Death Day, I was like, so she's an icon. I cannot wait for her to become a fucking legend. It's so funny because the other girl in that movie, um, Rachel Matthews, who plays, like, mm-hmm. the head of the sorority, I thought mm-hmm. she, in both Happy Death Day 1 and 2, thought she was so, especially Happy Death Day 2, she's so fucking funny that I was like, mm-hmm. we are sleeping on pure comedic talent. I just saw her again. She oh. was in... Um, Netflix's Get Revenge or Do Revenge, whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. She's a small role, but I was like, oh, oh my God, that's her. Um, <laughs> nice. I was so excited. Anyways, I would pick Jessica Roth because I think that the Credence role, like, despite obviously she's in like this like old hag witch makeup, but like obviously we see what she really looks like in the moments when it's like she's getting sexy to go have popcorn sex. Like, she is a young woman. Like, she's not mm-hmm. particularly old, so I feel like this is a role, once again, we're doing ridiculous makeup on her so she can be younger. Um, if Mia Goth can play old-ass Pearl, like, we can do anything. And she sure can. She sure as fuck did. Um, then I think that this would be perfect for her. I think she's very funny, and I think, like, given some of her, like, mannerisms specifically, like, her kind of, like, strange, like, she can do kind of, like, very kooky, like she demonstrated in the Happy Death Day franchise thus far like I feel like she would also eat in this role like and also I just want to see her in more things I'm kind of obsessed with her um so that would be my pick but I'm very curious to know if there are any um goblin picks or goblin casting agents here that have thoughts on um who it should be I would love to see an unhinged Jennifer Jason Lee. Katya Zamalachkova should play <laughs> Credence Tilda Swinton. I would be interested in seeing Countess Luann from The Real Housewives of New York play Credence. I think Taylor Swift could be an interesting choice to play Credence. Damn! <laughs> All right. Oh my God. Taylor Swift. 
Um, all right. Well, now that we've concluded the Q&A, it's on to the very last part of the episode, which is giving this our rating. And this will be, so sorry, goblins. Thank you for your, your time and your love and your thoughts. But this is just for us OG girls who cried be horror this time. So, Alex, what are you rating this movie on our, our scale? I literally don't know. Um, I still haven't even logged it on Letterboxd because it, this is the kind of movie that I don't know how to rate because mm-hmm. I have two options. I have yeah. the option of giving it five stars because I yeah. love the experience and I have the option of giving it one star because it's bad, but like giving it a heart because I love it. Yeah. Because we don't have that kind of rating system here, mm-hmm. I will give it a higher rating. Mm-hmm. Um, when I log it on Letterboxd, it will probably be a low rating with a star with a heart. Mm-hmm. Um but for our rating system, I'm going to give it a four star, Boy Next Door, okay. simply because I think when you watch this movie with a crowd and specifically with friends who have never seen it before, it's a five star experience. Watching it by myself on a Friday night after having seen it multiple times was like a little bit less interesting mm-hmm. just because I didn't have anyone to share the fun with. So I'm going to give it four stars. I think it's fucking ridiculous in every single way there I mean it's never boring there's never a moment where you're like this movie is bad bad it's always bad good yeah so four stars I recommend but I recommend watching it with others so that you can have the communal experience I might okay this I was just trying to check quickly I think this might be a first for me you know, avid listeners, you can call me out if it's not, but this might be my first I'm giving it final girl five stars. Wow. I, I literally just looking back through the catalog, I was like, I don't think I ever, because we only do it for main episodes, like, gave anything five stars. Yeah, I think you might have given, I know, well, did you give Butcher, Butcher Baker? Baker? Yeah. Maybe. I know Cornelia sense. did. Um, but yeah, final girl five stars. I just, I, I everything you said, like, with obviously, like, other rating systems and other places like I've just kind of accepted even on Letterboxd that like there's no rhyme or reason I'm just gonna put whatever the fuck I feel in this moment like sometimes I I try to like rationalize it but with something like this the rationalization goes out the window this is a five-star movie yes it is obviously heightened when you get to watch it with a group of people and or if in within that group of people there's somebody new to it and you get to experience it with them for the first time always a great time but like I don't know there's something about this movie and I think once again having after you watch the documentary and you have that knowledge going in and you, they're just like interwoven forever mm-hmm. I'm like no there's something magic about this there's something so pure and just like perfect about this I love this movie it's a five star it's a fucking heart if we're on Letterboxd like I interview me for the next goddamn troll 2 documentary because i'm ready to like sing its praises i think this is my first final girl and maybe it's the last who the fuck knows wow and then for our october episode i know just Uh, like the lord intended (laughs) well we did it we we tackled troll 2 it was a big one happy spooky season everybody i hope that you are going to spend the month watching as many horror movies as time will allow, Mm. decorating your home, eating a bunch of candy, just getting into the fucking vibe of it because, you know, we do it all year round. Yeah. But when October hits, (laughs) I'm ready to fucking pop off. It's time to go fucking sicko mode for sure. Yeah. So I hope that you're all having a wonderful fall, October, Halloween, 
really live it up because it's the best time of year. I agree. And, you know, as always, if, you know, as you should be, you're trying to get Halloween watch lists together, October watch lists, or just one night, you're like, what should I watch? You can always go through our catalog of both main episodes if you're looking for something goofy and B-horror-esque. We have mini-sodes that are also pretty much usually always movies that we enjoy. Um, you can check out our Twitter for our shutter picks, either for our 2022 October shutter picks or any other ones we've ever had. You can follow us on Letterboxd for our individual choices and things like that. We are here to help you. We are here to give you the best recommendations possible. So if you're ever in a place where you you don't know what to do, come to us. We're always here to help. Um, but yes, thank you as always for listening. We hope you have the happiest of Octobers and the happiest of Halloweens. And you never know, maybe a little mini set will be sprinkled in along the way. Who's to say? Um, but all that we ask in the meantime, as always, is to keep it creepy. Bye! Bye. Happy Halloween! Hi, creeps, and thank you for listening to another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We would not be able to make this podcast, though, completely on our own, and we have some folks that we would love to thank. Um, First and foremost, if you've noticed, we have amazing new artwork, and we have to thank our friend Raymond Lowell, who commissioned it for us. Uh, You can follow him on Instagram and see all his other amazing art at rblowell. Uh, Who else, Alex? Uh, We would love to thank, yet again, for another season, our lovely friend Nathan Graham who made our beautiful introduction music um, and he sings the Girls Who Cried Be Horror. Um, you can follow him at yes. instant underscore grand like his name um, and you can also check out his podcast with our other friend Jonah uh, called The Commonwealth. Yes, all good spooky content. And of course, if you can't get enough of us, we're on social media too. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, on Twitter at Girls Who Cried Be H. And if you really want to write us a whole novella, baby, you can send us an email at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror at gmail.com. We always want to hear your thoughts and opinions and your insight. Uh, And if you want to follow us individually on social media, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, I am at G-Way Forever. That is G-E-E-W-A-Y, number four, and then ever on Instagram. At agarity15 on Twitter. And uh, Anya Garrity on Letterboxd if you really want my uh, my film insight. Alex? Yeah, and if you want to check out the uh, three tweets and Instagram posts I do a year, you can check me out uh, yeah. at Alex Brandley. Because I'm very basic on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd. It's all the same. I'm just Alex Bradley. She makes it easy for you, folks. Yeah. She makes it easy for you. Um, but that's what we have for now. So we'll see you creeps next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. The girls who cried be horror.